The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Middle Cough! Hey, behave! Recording this podcast live on YouTube on this Sunday night. Everybody watching, what is up? We salute you. Hit that like button. We appreciate it. And um, like your menorahs for the show tonight. Uh, Also, if you listen to the podcast... You listen to the pod. Thank you for listening. If you want to watch it, it's in the description. If you want to listen to it, it's in the description. It's all there. What's up? What's up, dog? This this is day one of uh, eight crazy nights. It's a good start. Hanukkah should always start on a Sunday. Uh, hell yes. I mean, you got 49ers win. You got Hanukkah starting. Haberman's on top of the world. Mac jo- uh, Mac Jones looks good. Yeah, it's, it's everything anyone ever thought. Yeah, I mean, anytime that you can Jim just Harbaugh throw touchdowns. Dinkin' and Duncan, you got to do what you got to do. Herbert playing not great. No, the Broncos just won't die, you know, kind of like Kyle Shanahan's career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 33 to 10, Dolphins beat the Panthers, John, today. Uh, 36 to 13, Patriots beat the Titans on Sunday. 28 to 13, the Broncos beat the Chargers. The Falcons and the Jags played a game that was on television somewhere. What was Bengals. Uh, 2114. I was on a That's, plane, Southwest Airlines, play that. live TV, John. I was so happy. I got live TV on. I can stream it on the iPad. Here we go. And the two games I had on the, on the plane were the Jets, Texans and the Giants, uh, Eagles, uh, Eagles. That's right. <laughs> that was another That's, barn burner. <laughs> it was a blessing, John, just a blessing to have uh, a live. Stream. I think, I think Zach Wilson won today. I saw he was getting interviewed with Balionis after the game. I, I, I thought the Jets lost. I was scrolling through during the Niners game, my Twitter timeline, and it's just a picture of Zach Wilson with Amanda Balionis. I'm like, I thought they lost. Yeah, John, it was a, a podium game for him. 14 of 24 for 145, no touchdowns and a pick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, anytime <laughs> you get a win, you get a win, you know? All right, we got so much to talk about on this show. A couple of things to hit. By the way, shave it or save it. I was taking a little guy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the last one we did, we put one of them on social. We'll put a couple more out this week. We're so good. 
so good. Although I got a response from um, the guy that Tyler, who who we we told safe, we told Tyler to save, took a picture with his bulldog, aka Big Bo. And he DM'd me. He said, "Thanks for the feedback." Although I didn't appreciate Middlecoff pointing out that Big Bo probably will die in five years. I didn't mean it like that. You know, my Big my Bo's gonna live a long, yeah. fruitful, happy life. Yeah, we can't. We got to think about positive. We got to be where our feet are, and we got to be present. That's I had awesome. another friend text me and say, "That is genius." I'm laughing my ass off. This guy works in the NFL, and he's like, when I was going through it, he's now bald. Yeah. The only two people that would shoot me straight, I don't want to say the names, might give the guy away. It was a major Power 5 head coach and an NFL GM. Both told the guy to shave it. Everyone else was like, bro, just keep hanging on. You know, because it's a tough spot for a lot of people. And I think we are doing, you know, I, I don't want to say God's work, but it's it's a spot that I don't think a lot of people are talking about, guy. Well, unfortunately, God is doing the work that he's going to do to your head, and so yeah. we're here to help you deal with God's work, you know, is the way I look at it. I totally it's, agree. You know, it's one of those, you know, people always say, like, you know, I founded this business because, you know, when I was going through this situation, there was nobody there to help me. So that's why, John, you actually was a listener who had this idea, but that's what we're here for, John, you know? Who knows? I might be there one day, and I'll be happy that this uh, that we exist for us. Yeah. Well, you have long enough, though, you could do the Trumpian thing, I think. That's true. Uh, hey, look, if you're watching, look up in the corner. You see above John's head the logo for No Kid Hungry. It's an awesome charity. We have a campaign with them. You can find it in the description of this YouTube. You can find it in the description of this podcast. And here's what we're doing. We're raising money for the No Kid Hungry uh, Foundation, the campaign, specifically in the state of California, where No Kid Hungry has granted over $12.5 million in the last year and a half to communities that need it, to kids that need it, young adults that need it, um, families that need it. One in six kids is at risk of hunger right now in America. So we're trying to we're trying to do our part here to help fight it off. And we've got the rest of 2021, that's the year we're in, the rest of 2021 to try and raise $25,000. We're trying to get to $25,000. Pretty crazy. We're almost at 2022. That's pretty wild. Uh, but yeah, nokidhungry.org slash ham. We're in for 10 G's. Tito's in for five. Puesto's in for two. Uh, we'll try to get an update this week to see where we're at. Our goal is $25,000. Uh, again, nokidhungry.org slash ham. Uh, this podcast is in for 10K. Just do whatever you can. It's all tax deductible, whether it's a dollar, 10 bucks, 50 bucks, $100, whatever you can give. We're going to make an impact in California. We've earmarked it to help out, you know, kids that can't eat in california just make sure for all of us that enjoyed the thanksgiving break you know yep. a lot of people are not yep no there's no doubt uh, a single dollar can provide up to 10 meals that means 50 bucks can be you know up to 500 meals so um we can make a big impact with every little bit so let's do it we appreciate all of you that have already donated like john said nokidhungry.org slash ham just click the link below um, in the YouTube, or if you're listening to the podcast, click the link in the pod. All right. I saw a lot. I was on the road this weekend, John. Saw a lot of Tito's. Saw a lot of Tito's. Saw a lot of late night Tito's Saturday night in Lawrence, Kansas, where I guess you've been. You told me it was a good spot. Incredible. Downtown was popping. It was like 60 degrees, people everywhere, tank tops. It was amazing. Tito's is our sponsor. Tito's Handmade Vodka, number one vodka in America. Yeah, I mean, I, I the one thing I, I can speak about Tito's, it's greatest yeah. attribute. Yeah. I had a lot on I had a decent amount on Thursday, a lot all day Friday. And I woke up early morning Saturday, got a workout in, watched football all day, had energy. If you just drink Tito's and sodas, you don't get hungover, especially when you day drink. 
I everyone I was with was drinking them. Uh, I, I just can't recommend it enough. Sponsor the YouTube page. Sponsor the uh, the podcast. Happens to be the number one uh, vodka in America. Whenever I say that, people are like, "Are you always selling it?" No, I'm just letting it be known it's the number one vodka in America. It's like when you see, when if you introduce Bill Belichick, you're like, "Yeah, he's the greatest coach of all time." Like certain people get introduced a certain way, and this gets introduced the number one vodka in America because that's what they are, and it's a crown that you wear with uh, you know with a lot of pride. And I know yeah. we take a lot of pride being associated with number one and winners because. Uh, we value ourselves and think of ourselves like that as well. It's the same deal when an airline lands 20 minutes early, they tell you they're 20 minutes early. It's if you don't tell anybody, if you don't give yourself your own flowers, who's going to give you your flowers? I you got to start with, it's called self-love, John, self-care. Tito's number one vodka in America. So guess what? We're going to say number one vodka in America because that's what it is. It's It's got the substance. It's not all flash and bullshit. It's the number one vodka in America. Six times distilled in copper pots, not columns. More labor intensive, yes. But Tito knew it was better. Distilled, that's his name, Tito. Distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof. Crafted to be savored responsibly. Uh, maybe you could pour a little out, actually, now that I think about it, John, for the lock of the week, which um, is still going strong. We are still very proud of the lock of the week, Same but it did. did lock of the week did take an L. To take an L on Friday. So we got a, this is a bounce back week for the lock of the week at mybookie.ag promo code ham and the number one. And we actually lost $600 because we also did an extra $100 parlay that I think, you know, missed two of the three legs. So we, we had a rough week. But yeah, you know, lock we of the week was. We are, somebody just asked, lock of the week was 300 on BYU minus seven against 500. We've got our units. We bet five hundred on that game. We've been been five hundred all the, like the last five weeks. That's how we've accumulated so much money. We we have forty four hundred dollars in the pot right now, or forty three hundred dollars. Right. So five hundred on BYU USC. Uh, that did not USC covered. I don't know what BYU was celebrating about at the end of the game. And then what was our parlay on Sunday? Uh, the Steelers, which I looked up at one point in time, they were down thirty four to three. Uh, the Colts, who actually it felt like we're going to cover and ended up losing and did not cover. And uh, the over, that, that hit pretty easily. <laughs> over Niners. Over Niners did hit. That was a good call by you. Over Niners uh, did hit. Right uh, right now, if you're watching live, you can get on Sunday Night Football. Obviously, Monday Night Football, Washington football team is plus one against the Seahawks at the moment. You like that at home? I, I mean, you want to throw $250 just to have a little action there? Right there, Washington <laughs> football team, at home, football team? You know, it's not. I, I'm, I'm kind of with it. I Go just, up. I what are the odds? Uh, Minus 115. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. love that. I love a good minus 105. Bit, so the streak was 11. We were 11 in a row at mybookie.ag promo code ham the number one. Will there match your first deposit of 1000 bucks or up to $1,000? You can decline the bonus if you so choose because you've accepted it. You have to bet the full amount before you can withdraw funds. But uh, either way, there you go. Yeah. We'll, we'll be all right. We'll keep swinging. I mean, we want 11 in a row. So, you know, we're not shedding any tears here. No. We have, again, we turned 350 into 4,300 right now. So we're good, guys. That's right. We I, feel, keep I feel very good. We stay aggressive. I think Billy Napier said it in a post-game interview within the last month, who's now the head coach of Florida. Scared uh, not money, don't make money. Not B.A. Billy not, not B.A. Billy not, Napier. Not, I just I think that's how it should be said. I like calling him that. Yeah. Billy Napier. Billy Napier. Yeah. <laughs> Scared money, don't make money. <laughs> Solid locks this week. Yeah, well... Yeah, guy. Yeah. I mean, you watch some of these fucking shows that talk about gambling all the time. They miss nonstop. <laughs> we, we have just brought one pick a week. Those shows have just no. Uh, they don't even care either. They just move on. Well, it's, it's just. It's like I'm eighty-seven and seventy-seven. 
<laughs> Holy God, shit. Most of those people are not 80s. I think most of them are like, I'm 100 and 147. It's like, if I was betting $10 on every one of your bets, I'd be in the whole four grand. So I feel very, right. very good about what we've been bringing to the table. All right, people, uh, thanks for hanging with us. If you're on the YouTube, hit that like button. Smash that like button. Give us our, that's how we get our flowers. So we appreciate it. Don't forget to get in the mailbag on iTunes as well. And uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Five stars. Ask us a question. Tell us your favorite bar. So let's start with the fact that the 49ers beat the Vikings. Two teams at five and five. We hyped it up. It was a big game. The Vikings beat the Packers last week in a thriller. And so we knew that it was going to be kind of what we wanted it to be. And it was. I mean, the, the Niners had to go, they had to go earn it. Like, that's the best way I could describe if you said, what did the game look like? It looked like a game you had to take, even though they got some fumbles. But I thought they just made, they repeatedly made plays. They weren't perfect, but they repeatedly made plays. Yeah, famous guy uh, that we had the opportunity to interview one time. Might be the coolest guy I've ever interviewed. Uh, he was very excited last night. He was singing uh, Michigan uh, chants in the airport. It went viral. Charles Woodson once had a simple statement, and I think this represents the sport of football, especially at the highest college level and the pros. Work hard, make plays. And I think a lot of things, a lot of times you can overcome on Sundays with, you know, inconsistencies. Not, you're not, most teams are not going to sustain 60 minutes of high level football. If you make plays, if you make plays, you can win games, especially when you have impact players, which the Niners do. It was 14-7 to late in the second quarter. And it just felt like, God, this the Niners can't easily lose this game. With under a minute to go, over the next five minutes of game time, the Niners scored 21 points. They, got, they scored at the end of the half. They get the ball back at halftime, score a touchdown, and then Cousins' first play throws a pick to uh, 51. They score a touchdown. It's 21 points. I think there was like 11.30 on the clock. So in less than five minutes, it was actual. It felt like 35 minutes of actual human time. Yeah. But of football time, it was less than five minutes. They scored 21 points. And they were they were down 14-7, guy. And with less than you know 11 minutes to go in the third quarter, they were up 28-14. to And they ended up winning by eight. But that buffer helped them breathe the rest of the game, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, it, it did. And I think the fact that they the fact that they had the lead, uh, I thought they were going to play the game that we've seen them play a lot, where the Vikings do not get back in it. We've seen that it was game a big it was honestly a big deal just being up at halftime. <laughs> or I mean being yeah. tied at halftime, not down. Well, especially knowing you know, the whole the doubling up, then you get the ball first and and then you and then you score. But um uh where's I going with that? Oh, I the, after the interception, the Vikings I, I thought showed a lot, right? Because what did they do? They do what sometimes coaches, especially defensive coaches, do after the guy throws a pick and they don't trust him. I give the Vikings a ton of credit. They went, they were down two scores. They just went back to the run. Like fuck it, Dalvin, bam, and they marched didn't they, right. Did they the score in scored. five plays? <laughs> so fast it was. Uh, I think it was five plays. Yeah, five five seventy five. Well, I mean, Dal- Dalvin did bust out like a 40-yard run, which at one point in time, like, is he going to score? <laughs> they just went straight to the run. I think they threw – I think I have to go look back. I think it was four runs and one throw on that on that drive. Yeah. So, you know – and, and the throw was a trick play throwback, if I remember correctly. That's right. Correctly. He, didn't, he didn't throw the ball. <laughs> no. Kirk. They didn't let him throw the ball. I think – to me, like, 
Coaches do that. Like, guy throws a pick, it's like next drive. But it's hard if you're down two scores. And it felt to me like what the Niners would do if they were in that spot. One of their best players is their running back. I mean, he's a, he's one of the better players in the league, right? I mean, you just want to And they lost him the in the game. I mean, that's yeah. that was significant. Carted, carted off the field. Yeah. The Niners forced fumbles. I To me, I, what what if I said just like image in your head from that Niners-Vikings game, what would – for me, the image is the defense specifically – making plays like not like being able to get off the field creating you know long down situations putting the ball on the turf making it hard for Kirk I that to me is the lasting image of that game yeah I mean I the Oklahoma Oklahoma State game similar like college version very high scoring game this game right final score is whatever 34 to 28 of the final yeah. score Thir- yeah 34 26 34 26 to me, anytime you get in the high 20s, low 30s, when there are turnovers in the game, multiple turnovers, uh, especially in the second half, that is a big deal. And the Niners, like you said, their defense is not like the 85 Bears or the 2000 Ravens, right? They're not just, you're going to look up every game and like, God, they only had 170 yards of offense. Like they're going to score points. They're going to create huge explosive plays. It's part of the deal. But when you get a when you get multiple turnovers, guy, their turnovers led to 10 points. Right, I mean the turnover at the right after the half that led to a touchdown, and then the Dalvin Cook fumble led to a field goal. Right. Now it was a tight field goal. I think it hit the upright. And, it's all, it all you know, counts. Robbie was a little off. You know they say like in golf when you're when you're not hitting the hook, you got to aim a little different. You know whatever he clearly you know didn't make mid mid game adjustments, but that that ten points in a game that you lose by eight, I mean factored in to be pretty big, right? I mean they without those two turnovers, like I mean that's a big fucking deal. I mean, they, they get points off turnovers. That's that's huge. The touchdown, the, the pick was, to get a touchdown off a turnover was a big-time game changer. Yeah, the other I, one was kind of just found money. But like you said, I mean, they created two huge plays. The, the fumble was, the pick, like that was just, he threw it right to him, he caught it, that's a high-level play. The fumble was, the ball's bouncing around, you had seven guys trying to pick it up. They got kind of lucky. It bounced off one niner and went back to one of the original guys that tried to pick it up. City three fumble. guys tried to pick it up. It was a city fumble, John, and they treated it like a country fumble. Yeah, to me, in the the fumbles in the line of scrimmage, when there are a lot of bodies, especially when you're I, in the reds, when they like fall on it, you're at like the twenty wherever they were. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I haven't been to every defensive coach's meeting in the history of football. I can imagine one of the number one coaching points that those coaches hammer down fall on the ball, right? And it, it, I mean, we made fun of the uh, Sirianni with the city fumble and the country fumble, but it's pretty clear a city fumble, a, a fumble with a lot of people around, you cannot try to scoop and score it, especially when it's bouncing all funny. I do, I do think if you know you got like two of your teammates behind you, you it's try human, to scoop. It's human nature. Yeah, and then maybe if nature. you don't scoop, the guy behind you falls. But they were like, scoop, 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 scoop. <laughs> I thought they were not getting the ball, but they got it. They got it. I, wasn't it great to watch Jimmy and Kirk in the same game? Knowing that both sidelines were experiencing the same things, both fan bases were experiencing the same things. The roller coaster that is having a quarterback that you don't totally trust to be aggressive, but he's playing in a game where you need him to be aggressive. I I think the difference is like if I flip flopped those two quarterbacks, I think the Niners win by like 15 points. It's weird. Like I, I don't think Cousins is spectacular or anything, but I think he's a better player than Jimmy. But you know, like, I, I, I just don't think Jimmy's very good. 
And I, I tweeted something during the game, like to to those those comebacks, Kyle sticking to the run, like they are over overcoming for the first basically you know two quarters. Jimmy looked terrible. I thought. I mean, he was that he was going to play losing football. And they were able to avoid it. Like, I mean, guy, he airmailed a couple throws that he hadn't been doing the last couple weeks. And we've talked about That's this. That's true. Airmailing throws, like to me, he airmails, like Cousins pick, he just threw it right to him. Jimmy will occasionally do that. His airmail throws, though, especially the middle of the field, it's going to lead to more interceptions. That's why Kyle, early in the game, I saw someone tweet as we were hopping on, Kyle talked about it, like that's inexcusable. Kyle fucking lit him up. Yeah, I mean, just because when he when he throws high, it's go- those balls are going to get picked. So I don't I don't totally agree with you that he was playing losing. Fo- Actually, I don't agree with you that he was playing losing football. I think he played the kind of game that Jimmy is just yeah, the, gonna. Play. I thought the, the the first two quarters, I I did not I couldn't trust him. Well, no, you but but you can't. But that's not losing football. But you can't trust him. But I thought what he did was the things. I think what happens when he's playing poorly is he does the things that you're talking about. And then he doesn't do the other things that make up for it. I thought in this game he did the things you're talking about, but he also hit on the first drive, the third and six to Jennings for 21. He hit the third and 13 for 37 yards to Ayuk on the second drive that got him the touchdown. He hit uh, a third. Well, oh, he hit Ayuk after Kyle used the timeout with 35 seconds left at the end of the first. I've defended Kyle's late first half management many times. The third and 11 at Minnesota's 30 with the clock stopped. I think you assume, I think you assume coaches are comfortable in that spot. No, I, no. I think there's a difference is I often say they don't know what they're doing. And when I say that, I, I don't mean like if you, me, and Kyle or Belichick or Andy are just sitting there, they could talk through a situation way better than any fan. But when you put them on the sideline, especially the play callers, when a lot's going on, I think we have a lot of evidence over our lifetime guys are not comfortable what to do in the situation. Whether That's it's Kyle, fair. whether I- it's any coach. But what's different about that is normally I can see at least Kyle's side. I can at least make an argument for Kyle, whether it's really what he was thinking or not. That one, I had no idea what he was well, thinking. Well, what if they're just not getting a good look? And yeah, I mean, want. but so then Jimmy hit Because it worked. It worked. Yeah, because right. Jimmy hit Ayuk. Yeah. Jimmy hit Ayuk on the third down. He hit the, the throw, I thought that was terrifying, was seven minutes left when he hit Sherfield on third down at their own 15-yard line. Great play by 81. Throw. Then he, hits, then he hits Juszczyk two plays later for 26. So I, I thought he gave you the normal Jimmy roller coaster with the good. And that's he who had, I he had, he had more of those in the second half. I agree. He had a couple in the first half. In the second half, he definitely settled down. I think he plays football, and then the defense determines whether it's winning football or losing football. Or the, the, the other guys on the team determine if that's good enough to win the game. The Jawan Jen- Jennings... Uh, touchdown. Yeah, touchdown was a nice throw. Did you mention that one? And the one that he stepped out of bounds was, you know, that's a pretty good throw, too. He, he, yeah. he definitely made enough good throws. To me, what was scary, though, when he's high, that can lead you to three picks if 100%. the running game's not working. Yeah, and they just He only threw 26 times. So it's like, if that number had crept up, like Cousins got to 32, it's pretty clear the Niners want no part of getting Jimmy like 35 attempts a game. If they have no, to do that, it's, it's going to be hard for them to win. Yes, but I also think that this is why I said last week on the podcast, Cousins throwing it 32 to 35 times, it'll over the course of 17 weeks or 18 weeks, it's going to put up numbers in big games. Yeah. I, I don't think they trust I'm him. Agree- we saw that I'm in agreement there. He threw the bad pick, and I've, I said it on the pod last week, like picks are coming for Kirk Cousins. They're coming. I think he's pick got more bad. coming. The yeah. pick was bad. And 
Um, I think the other thing with him, this is this is where I hesitate to say he's better than Jimmy, even though I've probably largely said that he is better than Jimmy over the last year and a half. Things happen. The game's frenetic. He lined up under right guard on a critical fourth down play that they had to call a timeout on. And it wasn't a trick play. I am play. not a defender. No, 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 I know. It wasn't a trick play because the, the running back had to come grab him by the hips and move him over like he's teaching him how to dance on episode one of Dancing with the Stars. Like he, he It wasn't like some weird trick play. So uh, in pressure moments, again, they've got good players, and he made some plays too, but I think it was more about this is what you get from Jimmy. Do the guys around him, bless you, do the guys around him make the plays necessary? And they did, and they have been as a team. They just have been now for several weeks. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I mean, they gave him $66 million basically for two years. You know, So he's under contract this year and next year for $66 million. Under, under no circumstances would you feel good about when your team is pretty solid, right? I mean, they clearly have a lot of talent, and they, if I put a top 10 quarterback on that team, I, I think they are better. And I'm with you. So they are much closer. I would say the difference is, here's where I would agree with you, in a big game, there is no difference. And that's all you're really judged on, right? Because it's not like Cousins is winning enough of the easy games. And some of that's not all his fault. Like sometimes his defense has let him down, his kickers let him down. But it's not like he is winning all the easy games. So he is not flawless in those games because he's not a flawless player. And then in the big games, I would probably rather have Jimmy. Just because I know his toughness, and I know at least with Kyle in the in the situation he's in, I think he even makes Cousins mistakes. is in a similar situation, but they just have to depend on him a little more because they're so dependent on Jefferson. Not even their run game is it's just it's just different, and he's gonna fuck you. And Jimmy probably would too in the same situation. You could argue they're the same guy, but Jimmy's way cheaper. You know, ten million dollars a big deal in the NFL, and Jimmy. Cousins over a two year or I mean two contract span is going to get sixty six million dollars guaranteed and eighty five million dollars guaranteed. I'm not a math major, but I'm pretty sure that's over one hundred fifty million dollars guaranteed. Jimmy Jimmy got seventy, and let's face it, he's probably never getting much again. So it's like Cousins doubled his wealth. That's just when you look at the two, you go God. Now yeah. Cousins over the body of a three or four year career is probably worth a little bit more. It's weird, right? Because he's more well, of a regular season yeah, player. Yeah, no, exactly. It, what's weird about him is that he's got Jefferson and Cook and Thielen, and yet it feels like he has to do more than Garoppolo has to do for the Niners. Right? I think the best thing that ever happened to the 49ers, and who knows how this Trey Lance situation is going to work. I mean, there was a report we'll probably get to later this week. I don't know if you you were traveling this morning. Rap sheet tweeted out that like Jimmy's going to get traded. I like, saw. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no shit. I mean, they fucking just traded three. But it's like... I don't even know. If Jimmy oh no, King John! Traded. It was because uh, I, I saw I watched Rap Sheet on NFL Network on the plane. He said, "Barring a Super Bowl run, <laughs> so, okay." If we're gonna keep saying that, then stop. We could just stop with the conversation. But but my ultimate point is, the Niners aren't tied to Jimmy. Now they are tied to Trey. Different than financial, like the guaranteed money. I mean, they are all in bed. So he better if they get into a situation where he's in that same category, then we would have the same criticism of the situation they'd be in, right? We've talked about it before, yeah. like big, yeah. big picture. Like the Niners, what's crazy about Kyle, and they're six and five right now, is he's able to do this with a not a very stable quarterback situation. Like most teams cannot win when it's like, yeah, we can, we can win as long as our quarterback less than twenty five attempts, and we gotta we gotta have forty rushing attempts. That's the key to our victory. But here's what's unique about it, though: while it's not stable, it is predictable. Like you know, well, okay, what's it gonna take today? It's gonna take thirty. All right, I know what that Garoppolo game looks like. And it's, that's what it looks like. And the yeah. question is, 
do you have guys? And it's, you know, Ayuk, we'll talk about Debo. Uh, Mitchell, oh, oh, I mean, yeah. Ayuk, do you know what Ayuk's numbers were today, Sunday? Uh, I, I looked. I think it was like three for 85 or something. Three for 91. It didn't feel that way. We had the big one, right? He had the big one. One time I look up, Debo's making a play. Ayuk is blocking a defensive end. I mean, he just was uh, – he was impactful. I thought they found a way for guys to make really impactful plays, even if they didn't make – you know, it was – I think it's hard when you've got a lot of people that you want to try and involve to mix everybody in. And Ayuk made three plays, the big 37-yarder. Use check. <laughs> God bless him. <laughs> Use check made two. The second play was great. The The leap was incredible. Legend. <laughs> incredible. Legend. Uh, Jennings had two big catches, almost had a third. Kittle's catch was big. I mean, Debo had six carries and one reception. It felt like 20 touches. I, 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 when, when Sherfield's you play catch the, was big. When you play the style the Niners play uh, with the amount of edge runs they have, and I mean, Harbaugh kind of did that yesterday too, but the Niners are much more toss sweeps. You, you, I don't think you can quantify what 44 and 85 bring to the table. Yeah, I agree. Right? Because they basically just become like – no one talks about like how good was Mac and obviously Trent Williams today and like Lake and Tomlinson. No one mentions that because it's that it's not what we talk about. No one does unless you're the O line coach and he's in there screaming at everyone. He's more of screaming at them. They could have been better. It's just the nature of the position. But we really don't talk about blocking tight ends and blocking fullbacks. The irony is like those guys are really offensive weapons before they're blockers, but they're such good blockers that. How often do you look up an 85 and 44 just out on the edge and, and the running back? And today it was mainly Elijah Mitchell who recovered off that broken finger fucking quick. Yeah. It was just, I mean, those guys play a huge role in Kyle's scheme. Like, one thing's clear moving forward. Like, I mean, George, let's face it, probably is not going to have like a Travis Kelsey, you know, 15 year career. Uh, like, they're going to be very dependent on having a blocking tight end on the team over Kyle's when Kyle's the coach, right? That is a position that they are just – and use check. Like, those guys aren't just – they're going to be second iterations of them one day, right? And it's going to be very incumbent on them to find. And luckily, you could argue that it's it's a little bit of an undervalued asset, right? Just that that player. Most teams yeah. don't even use a fullback. It's it's a weird combination. It's undervalued, and there's not many of them. There's a fullback, and then there's the kind of fullback that Kyle Juszczyk is. Two different yeah. things, right? Although, Belichick's got this long-haired guy but, that he's using. How about the Vikings guy? It didn't look bad. Yeah, you can find him. But that it, in this offense, which they run, I think the Patriots now have a much run-heavy offense, so the Patriots have used a fullback for a while. You really value that, and you kind of – there aren't that many, and you know what it looks like. It actually is pretty easy to like. I've always said guards and running backs are easy to find. It's pretty easy to find a badass fullback because there's only two or three in the crop every year, and eighty percent of the teams aren't touching them. And you can tell pretty quickly if they can catch or not. Exactly. I mean, I think Uzcheck was like a fourth rounder. I mean, he he was a pretty high pick, which feels pretty high. Yeah, you know. And he went to the Ravens. You know, a tough team, right? Right. I wonder how many teams in the league would have drafted him that high. Could have been Morton. Yeah, I mean, think about this. Juszczyk was a went, I mean, higher in the draft than George Kittle did. I know they were in different drafts, but like Kyle was a legitimate, you know, because <laughs> he could running back, he could play tight end. I would say there aren't that many Juszczyks over like a five year period. Like one or two come in, in the league. He's even a unique. He's even probably more unique than George 
even just because they're think just there are a ton of tight ends, you know. Yeah, uh, I can find I can find I a tight end in the draft in the second or third round. Now I, I can never find George in the fifth. Like that's a one in a million. I can draft a sweet tight end in the second round. It's hard I to find George find Kittle in any round, though. No, I know it, but I just mean I can find like the Patriots did it with two players. Like I I can just find tight ends. Right, right, right. Yeah, there's just more of them in the pool. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. So what about? I mean, like we talked so many times about the Niners' offensive flow, the lack of it. The issues they were having, losing four was it four yeah four games in a row. Now they've bounced back, but Kyle got a lot of shit. So you know now he scored thirty points and four straight wins or three straight wins. Excuse me. Actually, it is four straight wins and three straight games. I, I here's where he deserves two of them back. against good teams. He's gotten back to his roots, and his roots are running the football. And when he runs the football, he makes you know. I bet I, it's probably safe to say his right guard is his biggest quote-unquote liability on offense, but like his quarterback ultimately is a liability for him. And the way he avoids Jimmy screwing up his offense, which he did early in the season because they were forced to throw it a lot, is he runs the ball. He ran it, I think, 44 times two weeks ago. I think it was 42 last week, and it was 39 this week. So he's basically, he's averaging over 40 in a league guy. For example, they have Dalvin Cook who is one of the highest paid running backs in the league. He had 10 carries today. Now, I know he got hurt in the second half, but he just, they got away from him. Like, I mean, you started looking when he busts off that run to start the second half. You're like, God, he should should have fucking been handed to him all game long. Elijah Mitchell had 27 carries. They had 39 carries as a team. They ran for over 200 yards. You hit that 200-yard mark in the NFL, what's the equivalent of that in college? Like 350? 200 yards on the ground in in the pros a lot. I mean, that's... That is a lot. And then what does that do? You control the clock. It just naturally, I was going to say, slows down the game. It actually speeds it up, right? Because it keeps the clock moving. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. We're recording this before Sunday Night Football. Are the Ravens going to run the ball 39 times in this game? You know, what the possess- you know what the possession clock is? And this is where Kyle deserves credit. You get back to your roots. You get back to who you are. You just have to do what you have to do to win a game with this team. Because I don't blame him. Like, his wide receivers in George are good. He thinks like, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy hadn't really been around. Let's just like kind of see what he's got. And then at, once you get two or three games of evidence, it was pretty clear. Like, we got to take this off Jimmy's plate. Because I don't I don't blame them early on in the season. You and me were at camp. Like, just, you, it's 2021. You should be able to throw it 35 times a game with a $20 million quarterback. But you just can't. And the fast, the, to me, the best coaches are those that just realize like, I can't do this. I have to do this. And you don't always know that three in fairness four games into the season but once you get to like six seven games into the season it's pretty clear now there were moments in that losing streak that listen I remember we got on after the Colts game and it was like Kyle how did you not just take some shots just to get some PI they were doing that to you and there there were things that I'm sure he'd like to have back so would every coach but he's now six and five and they are currently they're in the sixth spot because Minnesota's the seventh spot and the Eagles are the eighth, and they've already beat them. Like the Niners are kind of now in the driver's seat. It went from they were fucked to now they control their own destiny for the playoffs. And hell, guy, I don't know if you've looked, but the Rams have lost several games in a row, are trending in the wrong direction. They got issues. Now I'm not trying to, you know, sprint before we just start get a good walk again, but 
the Niners are trending in the right direction. It starts with offensively, like you said, all those points. They've been scoring a shitload of points. Yeah. I think what makes one of the things that makes, and the Niners are a great team to watch if you want an example of how hard it is to win, because they do all of the things that you're talking about. They dominated time of possession, 37 minutes time of possession. They had the drive at the end of the first half was an eight uh, minute and 20 second drive, 15 plays. That was the one that tied it at 14. Eight minutes and 20 seconds, 15 plays. But they I, I still don't feel like that many NFL teams have that in the bag, right? It doesn't. Patriots. But even with all of that, John, you still that's you still have to make plays on defense. You still have to make plays in the passing game, right? Like even through all of it, Garoppolo still has to make like, I don't know, seven or nine really important throws in a game because you're just not going to pick up six yards on every first down. You're just going to end up in a third and seven, four or five times. I mean, guy, Minnesota had the ball at the end of the game to tie it with the two minutes left, right? right. It's just, <laughs> I mean, to me, it's it's still, it's wild. This is why I think there were some people that thought they should have been, that they were better than they looked maybe, and there were some of the analytics that made them look better than they looked. You want, you want some light, bud? That made them look better than they looked. And it's just, uh, I say it all the time, and I'm saying what everybody else says. It's not a unique take by me, but the margin is just so thin. You do all of these things well, and every minute that you're able to keep the ball for yourself, especially when it results in points, is so critical at the end of the game. Because it just, it's most game. I know you look up and you see some of the scores I mentioned at the beginning of the show, some 38 to 14. That's just not most games. And especially if you're going to start playing. You know, if you're going to win big games, you're playing against teams that don't just lay down and and you know let you roll them by 21 points. You still have to go make plays. I, I, I think the thing that's particularly inspiring sounds like too much, but like to your point about how they, it's it's not just that they're winning; it's that they look the way that they look when they win, um, and it's what it's what it takes for them to win. Like that's their recipe. Well, he, here's we talked about this, and it goes back to what Davo Sweeney said. Uh, two months ago, somehow they are nine and three in, in the ACC championship game. Their their shitty season is going to be ten and three, and who knows? They win a bowl game, they'll be maybe Lincoln game. Riley should have gone to that league. <laughs> is that uh, every player on the field is on Kyle Shanahan, and even when the Kyle gets asked about defensive players, he's like, "No, I'd let D'Amico make that call." But ultimately, if he doesn't want the guy on the field, he would tell D'Amico to take the guy off the field. The offense is truly his baby because he's calling the plays. These last several weeks, what has he done? And just Quick update on Debo. Kyle said he, they think they avoided disaster. He felt a little something. They didn't want to risk it, but just maybe a little tight growing. Yeah. You're trying to avoid saying that. I, I said it quick. I, <laughs> he he took him to another level, and he utilized him. Did you hear, uh, was it Kenny Albert on the game today? <clears throat> Is yeah. that his name? Yeah. When when or Maybe it was Vilma. They, they said Kyle will mess with him. When Debo's like, you know, you trying to move me to running back? And Kyle will answer back, I already did. <laughs> you know, he's fucking with him. And who knows? Maybe he's being serious. You tweeted out like the, the contracts. I mean, it's, it's a big deal. Because I'd be like, hey, we think you're better than Christian McCaffrey, Debo. We we think <laughs> like, you're a fuck. better player than McCaffrey. He'd be like, but no, I, no, he no. Gets I... a, he gets a lot of credit for that. And listen, you can nitpick the draft, and we will, because it's something that you just talk about. But once you have the players on your team, it is what it is. Like, there's no, like, you can't redo the Trey Sermon thing. So he gets credit for going, Elijah Mitchell is dramatically better than Trey Sermon. Is clearly dramatically better than any player on this team. Hell, I mean, at, at that position. If Raheem was healthy, that guy should be playing a lot. It should be a one-two punch. He's that right. good. So he gets credit for 
riding the shit out of that kid because that guy, I, guy, I, you know, put on my scouting hat. He is the perfect zone running scheme guy because he has incredible feet, but he doesn't dance around. He is very patient, but he's not like slow to hit it. He's decisive. He is incredibly physical, and he's the he is clearly to play football for the Shanahan family. No pussy allowed, right? You have to be. If anything, it's like almost too violent. You're like, Kyle, is this guy going to make it through his rookie contract? And then his his toughness. I mean, shatters a finger. You don't even notice it today. He's just running it like he's been playing. Boom, twenty seven carries for a buck thirty three, breaking tackles, catching the ball. Like you uh, just watch him, you go like, like, is that a Pro Bowl running back? Several times on like second and long, Jimmy would throw it to him over the. Actually, he had one that he missed him, and Jimmy knew he would have got a he would have got back an easy like ten two, yards. Yeah, came back to him twice more in those situations, and he's just he kind of turns surveys. If he doesn't know what to do, he just runs straight up the field, you know, and he'll just get seven yards. I would love to know, did the Niners think that Trey Sermon was better than Eliza Mitchell, or do they just think the value was you'd have to take Sermon first and then you could get Mitchell later? I'd be very interested to get an honest answer on what they believe because when we watched the college tape, and maybe I'll go back and pull that out, our, we did a video on Elijah Mitchell after the draft. Our reaction to him was, oh, my God, this guy's perfect for Kyle Shanahan. I'd be curious I, what they thought. I think you can like, let's just use the home analogy. You could find like in the, you're looking for homes, <laughs> I have to go to like Sacramento, Sacramento in the $500,000 price point. And then you went to Los Gatos in like the $4 million price point. You might, what you had to spend in Los Gatos or Menlo Park or whatever for $4 million, you might not love it, but you need a house in that area. You buy it. You might find a place for five, 600 grand in Sacramento, brand new spot. Nice, you like it. Maybe that's it, that wouldn't be as we stand here today. That number's probably like eight, but you know what I mean. Like, I think part of it is like Elijah Mitchell was just going to go in that range. Trey Sermon was going to go in that range. They like both guys. There's a chance like they liked. You can like guys you take in the fifth round more than you take in the third round, but it's also just proper what you have to pay to get it. Right? Yeah. You just yeah. bought a house. You have to pay what you have to do to get it. You know the market. It's the market, right? And if Trey Sermon wasn't going to go in the sixth round being a five-star guy from Oklahoma and Ohio State, especially after he finished the season. And then, here's the other thing. Like, I, I, I think part of it, like, once you move into your home, you find out things that you didn't know about it that you like. You find out a couple things you need to fix. But until you get in it, you don't really feel it. It's like, until you get the player at practice every day, you kind of see it. It, we talk about, it. it goes back to when we were talking about... Uh, What's his Trey Lance and Mac and all these guys. We can talk to a blue in the face about draft picks until you get the guy on your team. You, you, there's an element you don't know, or there never would be missed picks, right? I was talking to a buddy. I was telling you about this earlier. I won't mention the name who got hired by a major, major college football coach a couple of years ago. And uh, I was like, well, you know, what was he like? He's like, well, the interview, I'd never known him. The interview was 20 minutes. So it was great. Then you come work in the building. It's a different experience, right? And there's only so much you can find out about a person before you actually, actually get in there and have them in your office or whatever. Um, so I, no, I it's I think those that, a lot of people. That's what that's what situations. Joe Brady told you about Ed Ogeron. And I was like, well, geez, man, <laughs> seems a little aggressive. Was his girlfriend there? Come on, babe, let's go. What do you say? 
He said, come on, babe. He said, go, go Tigers. And he, and he grabbed his babe and his kids. Go Tigers. He will not coach the bowl game. Thanks for the $16 million. <laughs> He's not? Who's coaching the bowl game? Well, you, were you done with your game? They won on a walk-off touchdown last night against Texas A&M. Did you see that? I didn't see it. I mean, I read it on Twitter, but... It was pretty unreal. Like, he wanted a walk-off touchdown against A&M Such at LSU. <laughs> Such a great way to go out. Against Jimbo. That's a pretty yeah, that's a pretty good night for him. I think, you know, we were talking about Kyle. I think seeing him scream at Garoppolo. What did you think seeing him scream at Garoppolo early in the game? I think that he knew this game was going to be really hard. I think yeah. he was looking at a mirror image of his team, and under no circumstances could he have a shitty Jimmy all game long and then have a chance to win. It was not possible. So the only way for him to win was for him to not turn the ball over. So he fucking lights him up because I'm a pro. See that? Let's keep it going. He knew that if Jimmy was going to be compromised all game, they were going to lose by 20 points. And I think Kyle, they had worked too long to see their season disappear to then get the ability to be right back in the mix to start going, Jimmy, you are not going to fucking cost me the playoffs throwing picks. Listen, I can live with a bad play. You cannot throw a pick right to the guy. You are not going to ruin my offense. (laughs) With doing remedial, I mean, OTA when you first got here stuff. I will wring your neck. I will bench you. I think Kyle was on tilt coming into this game. Because of just, I bet Zimmer was too. Like, this this thing was huge for those two teams. Yeah. And even uh, Dickinson, I, I tweeted something. Like, this is a playoff game. Once, once the Saints lost Thursday, they're in shambles. You see the final score of that thing was a lot to a little. Like, they're they're done. Did you see Cam's line today? He threw about two picks, 90 yards. They they are fucked. Carolina, bye-bye. I and heard today saw, before the game, like, oh, you know, they're adding a lot more to Cam's plate. I'm like, well, it doesn't uh, look like it. No. And then you, you saw, ultimately, the Eagles, you know, probably an 8-9 team. So both these two teams are probably in the playoffs, more than likely. But, like, you're not thinking that way in this game, and you win this thing. Whoever won this thing is in the driver's seat to, like, you get to 9-8, and eight, you're probably in it, right? That's the difference between winning this game. And it's easier to get to nine and eight when you're six and five. You know, I think it'll be really I think not I think I, nine I and eight will get you in the NFC playoffs. Do you want to talk about the playoffs? Is that what we should talk about here? Uh probably mention something really quick. Well, I, I there's a couple th- there's a couple like kind of what you just hit on, I think is a, a big picture thing that we can well, why why do you think Kyle lit into him so much? No, I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. He knew that they've only won one game this year. Well, yeah, I mean, you you have to lock in right now because we've only won one game this year when you've thrown an interception, and that was the Lions game. Um, and we, Jimmy's that, comeback was like, "Oh, put put five in. I dare you. I know you don't want to. <laughs> That's what he. I know you don't I, want I to read do his, that. I read his lips. That was not his, his comeback. Was I got you? I got you. I got you. I got you. That was his comeback. Kyle was pissed. Yeah. How? What would you say? Uh, in a ten in a fifteen second scream at him, number how many f bombs? Yeah, minimum four. Had to be a fifty percent f bomb, right? <laughs> Did you notice the quarterback coach didn't look at either? He just stayed straight with that. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I go back and watch. I, I love that. Is, Kyle, that you you Kyle, don't get Kyle screamed at. His mouth. He covered his mouth with his play sheet. Yeah, he didn't want to get caught saying what he was saying. You you know this as a quarterback. Like watching Bryce last night with Nick, 
when your head coach is a defensive head coach and the CEO, like a, like a Tomlin, obviously Tomlin wouldn't yell like that at Roethlisberger, but even uh, Harbaugh, John Harbaugh with Lamar, Nick with Bryce and Tua and Mac, you, they, they actually are very careful about like messing with the guy, right? And then the coordinator is not have enough juice to ever yell at him. You're never going to get yelled at. But when you're the quarterback for an offensive play caller, and you're not like LaFleur can't yell at Rodgers, but Goff, McVay, like you used to scream at him. Kyle, Jimmy, all the time. Like your d- defensive coaches in modern day don't scream at the quarterback anymore. Like they like what? they used to in the eighties. But yeah. offensive coordinator, Sean Payton, will fucking destroy somebody. Kyle Shanahan, like Trey Lance, you better buckle up because he's well, coming defensive for you. coach screams at the OC, right? Yeah. The offensive coordinator takes their heat. And that's why I I said it last week. I, there's something off with the Vikings between Zimmer and Cousins, and I think it is one of their fundamental problems because the margins are thin, and you hit their head coach and their quarterback can't communicate the way teams who have an offensive head coach and their quarterback can communicate. Um, you know, I I I was going to say their offense wasn't the problem, but really, right? They scored 26 points, but a touchdown off that was a kickoff return. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's not like they scored. You know. Those weren't all touchdowns. I mean, they got a, they got a free touchdown on a kickoff return, which, as you text me, that has to be the easiest kickoff return of the year. I mean, they, he was even close to him. He was gone <laughs> with like half of the run still left. I've, I've thought never he was seen gone a kick- at like his own forty. It wasn't that even, thing even was, close. Was that it was blocked up so well? It's like how was every cover guy double teamed? And it was. I've just, always had good. I've always had good relationships in with the hole with the special teams coaches I worked with, and they they can be quirky guys. But I, the Niners special teams coach, you know, I'm not one to listen. You got to feed your family. Not one to call for jobs. It's not my bread. But I think he's got to go. I, he Don't is be, not. John, like, it not, is not impressive. Why are you pocket watching, John? <laughs> Don't it's watch just, another man's pocket. It's just not get like I, I saw after Jason Garrett was fired last week. Yeah. Lewis Riddick just had a tweet like, "Bottom line business always will be, always has been." Like, yeah. And that would be my take on this Hightower guy. Sure, he's a nice guy. They're special teams, man. Or just, you got a trick play up your sleeve. I know you're not Wisnowski. God, I hope not, because the regular trick plays don't work. Jesus. <laughs> Kyle's not a good trick play guy either. So His good plays are just the good plays. Just stick with the yeah. good plays. You know, the throwback, the double pass. That's, that'd be an off-season project. Like, Kyle, your good plays, you're pretty incredible at. But is there a way that you can like study Josh McDaniels and Chris Peterson the last two decades and just watch how they call trick plays? Hell, uh, Kubiak's kid, who I th- is that? The- I think it's the offensive coordinator. For yeah, it or is. Zimmer. Yeah, their trick play was pretty sweet. The double pass, Jefferson, and the throwback to the running back. Like they, it just the Niners' trick plays stink. Two teams yesterday in college football: one scored a touchdown, one got a two point on a throwback to an ineligible left tackle but because it was a backward pass it was a legal play and score two teams did it on saturday college football a lot of trick plays out there working well you know why because everyone's the internet you can just watch whatever you want and steal whatever you want (laughs) if it's if to execute it i guess i I was talking to a buddy who's a giants fan today on the phone while he was watching the game he told me that that that, uh that freddie kitchens ran a throwback screenplay like a like a flea flicker or a double pass screen like the the second throw didn't go down the field it was a screen the idea being that when you see the flea flicker toss back to the quarterback you know everyone turns and runs 
Yeah. And they, they'll be, I don't know what the result of the play was, but I had not Pretty, heard of that play before. I kind of like that. See, it's, you just got, I don't know if it works. Do... <laughs> the Niners trick plays are very slow developing, but they're regular plays. Just stick with the, you know, John wants yeah. the special teams to do the trick plays. John, before we go any further, let's tell the people about overland.com slash ham. Overland.com slash ham. We both have them. I wear them every day. This is high quality shit. I don't know if they yep. want me to say that. It's a family company. It's really, really good stuff. How about that? We're fam- we're family men too. So uh, you know, just being real, they offer out uh, outerwear. I I wear these slippers. I actually have them on right now. For those of you on YouTube, see that? Oh, a lot of calf. <laughs> just incredible. The base. Oh, you Aaron Rodgers? Just put your foot on the table. <laughs> I, I I'm actually sweating because they're so warm. They feel so good. I ordered uh, DoorDash today, walked right down in my slippers, picked it up. Can't recommend enough. They're durable. Uh, the color's great. The, the the sheepskin in there, oh, see how warm that thing is. Lighter, more breathable. I got the little, uh, I, my, my heel, you know, is not caught in there. I love these. Can't recommend it enough. Everyone needs slippers. So uh, it's a no-brainer gift. You know what's right around the corner? Well, hell, it's here right now. Hanukkah's here. So you got any... Nope. Uh, any people in the tribe in your life? I'd send Haberman a pair of slippers right now. There is no more consistent Hanukkah gift than slippers or underwear or socks, but these will not make people go, oh, like underwear or socks will. Overland uses expert craftsmanship to pair the highest quality merino sheepskin, which is naturally moisture wicking. That's why John's hot, but feeling good. Temperature regulated and antimicrobial oh. supportive memory foam insoles in order to make the slippers feel better and wear better for longer. Everyone needs slippers. They're perfect. No-brainer gift. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Great customer service. So don't wait another day to slip into something way more comfortable. Get the best, highest-quality sheepskin slippers on the market at overland.com slash ham. You'll get free shipping and free returns. Go there today. These slippers are beloved. They're known to sell out. Overland.com slash ham. Yep, overland.com slash ham. Overland.com slash ham. Um, oh, you know, the other thing now, you've been watching this, you know, that we've been uh, locked in on picks of the week. If you're into sports betting and you know that we are, we know that most of you are, you know how quickly the lines can change. And if you got a lot riding on those odds, it pays to stay ahead of the curve. So before you place your bets, listen to the daily tip presented by BetMGM for the best betting analysis and information. Yep. We know what it makes to make a good show here. Energy, chemistry, uh, some go-to takes. And this show has it. So check out the daily tip presented by BetMGM with featured guests like bookmakers, Odyssey insiders, and BetGM experts. You always got a fresh take on the action, baby. Yeah. It's hosted by Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger. They break down the big takeaways. Make sure you know everything you got to know to bet smarter. As much fun as it is to bet on the game, it's much more fun when you've got a little inside scoop. Yep. Ready to bet with an edge? Tune in to the daily tip presented by BetMGM. Listen weekdays. 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern on Odyssey, Spotify, and your favorite podcast application. Okay, you mentioned the... I might start to, saying applications. I, app. I like that application. I saw. I just saw a, like a Twitter headline like, kids are, kids are wearing the wired headphones again. Like, all right, well, good luck to the kids. <laughs> they can do that if they want. That's idiotic. Anyone that goes wireless goes back, except actually Dan Haberman, who told me today he got the wireless because... A are the wired ones, even though I got them some some wireless ones a couple years ago, because he doesn't have to worry about them. They're fifteen bucks and they're easy to replace. 
Good point. Uh, I, I just think the new when you get a newer iPhones, they don't connect. So you well, you do get, it. Like, you have to do it through the. You just no. You yeah. You got to plug it in the in the bottom. I know. Anyway, uh, okay. You mentioned standings. Uh, I think one thing that's interesting. It's a. I'm going to get a little ahead of myself. I think if you're the Niners, you'd rather play the Bucks or Packers. I'm gonna like I said. I'm ahead of myself. Uh, and I was, uh, I'd rather play the Packers if I were the Niners. Um, yeah, but it, if Mike Evans and Godwin and Gronk, it would be a hard, you know, and Brady. I, yeah, yeah, I would. I take I my chances with Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I, I let Brady's anger. Given that, given that they've played him, they've beat him a couple times. They played him tight this year. Yes, you I th- take the Packers. Yeah, all right. So that's just a fun hypothetical. But I think to your point earlier, Minnesota lost the game, but. I, it's amazing. Atlanta's five and six. New Orleans in five and six. Minnesota's five and six. Those are your. Those are the teams fighting for the seven seed right now. Right now, Minnesota has it. But I mean, it's so the, Niner, pretty, the Niners would. The Niners would have had it even if they lost. It shows you like that's where this game was big. The, the NFC. You're not getting knocked just, out, but the Niners there. are lucky to be in the NFC this year and not in the AFC. Yeah, I agree. I don't know which of those teams. If I said, okay, one of these teams has to make the playoffs this year, Minnesota, Atlanta, New Orleans, I'll throw Philly in there at five and seven. We can throw Carolina in there at five and seven. Which one of them is it? Uh, I Minnesota, still think Minnesota. Guy. Minnesota, yeah, because they get the Lions next week. They play the Steelers, the Bears. They, their their ending is kind of Rams and Packers, but then the Bears again. Yeah, I think they're. I I think Minnesota makes it, and they might make it at eight and nine. Because I, I think the Eagles is going to be hard for them to win every week. It just is. And the Saints and Panthers are just fucked. Their quarterback situation's a joke. You know? Yeah. It just shows you. Like, we're nitpicking Cousins and, and Jimmy, but that's the reason those two teams are going to make the playoffs. They didn't have, you know, Cam. <laughs> they didn't have Trevor Simeon. They didn't even have Jalen Hurts, who, let's face it, just can't throw for 200 yards. <laughs> you know, he's got to run it, which he's good at. He's a good running, but he can't throw it consistently. Like he can't throw it. Cousins is cousin short circuits, but cousins can throw the football. Right? Did you read Hertz's line on the did you already say it? No, I was gonna go look for it. What was it? Fourteen of thirty one for one twenty nine, no touchdowns, three picks. See, they want do you know what they want no part of? And they were down most of the game. They don't want to throw it that many times. Do you know do you know how they've been winning games? The Titans have like did this with half Daniel as many attempts. Yeah, they want to go like ten of sixteen, you know? That, but that's it shows you that's where the Niners and really Minnesota are just on another level than the group of teams they're at. Saints should be right there, but like Simeon's just that shitty. He's just not good. You know, he's like bad. Like he's a, we can, and I do, nitpick, liability, Jimmy Garoppolo. He's in a different stratosphere than Trevor Simeon. That's why Jimmy Garoppolo is a starting quarterback in the NFL next year. Now, I don't know if it's going to go well or not because if you don't have Kyle Shanahan to build his offense around the guy, but like, Relative to some of these teams we're watching, what would Sean Payton do for Jimmy Garoppolo right now? <laughs> well, I, that's my prediction. I think that's where he'll be next year is New Orleans. Yeah, I can see that. I think the football team would probably be in play. Some of these teams are going to be desperate for him. Yeah, football team. We'll see Heineke. Heineke's actually had some moments. Yeah. <laughs> I think New Orleans makes a ton of sense because I think – Part of this, part of what Kyle was screaming at Jimmy through the play sheet was, if you want me to send you somewhere next year where you want to go, you got to step it up, right? I can't trade you where you want to go if you suck. 
So be good. The the big guy in Steel City threw a couple picks today. He's holding on for dear life. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that they're going to need a quarterback. That one they need a quarterback, but to me, New Orleans just makes so much more sense with Sean. I Payton. know, but, but they're just going to need a quarterback, though. Yeah, I I'd rather go to New Orleans if I was Jimmy. I would too. He does have no trade. That's what I'm saying. He's going to get to kind of dictate. And I just think he helps a team like them more because their coach knows what to do with it. Not that just the head coach is the OC. That's probably the better way to put it. I think that is the point. I think he should pray to go there. He should pray Sean wants him. Right? Well, Sean will. Because they're not. Yeah, Sean will want him. I don't know what Sean's going to want. But Sean's going to go after the first couple guys first, right? But who are those people? Well, what's Rodgers doing and obviously Russell? Because remember, Russell Rogers put him on the list. Yeah, there's Russell. That's true. There's Russell. But Deshaun Sean has the ammo that... Who? No, he doesn't have much ammo. Watson? Oh, Deshaun. Yeah. Forgot about him. Playing a whole NFL season without him. Some of these guys, like when you miss the playoffs and you make $15 million a year and you hate losing, like you're going you're gonna to be like, hey, Deshaun, what can we do? <laughs> I want you here. Right? I mean, a guy like that, is going and I think Carolina is going to try. These people are just going to do crazy shit because they people hate losing. They despise losing in the NFL. Think if you're Sean Payton, you're used to going to the playoffs every year. It's what we talked about with Kyle. Like part of Kyle, what he desperately needed is just a playoff berth. <laughs> you know, you could help. And listen, it's going to be we're going to talk ourselves into like, can they upset the Packers? Can they upset Tampa? Can they upset Arizona? Whatever for that game, it's the playoffs, right? But just getting there is a big deal. When your career is kind of has some holes beside the one season like this, this would be a really impressive ten and seven six seed. Like fuck, when it could have just. That's why you pay a coach a lot of money because I say this all the time. You don't give like Andy Belichick Harbaugh what USC is paying Lincoln Riley Saban Kirby. Like a lot of guy, everyone acts the same when you win, right? Like anyone can. I guess. Let me rephrase that. Anyone can handle winning. Any coach worth their salt. The Any overwhelming... Uh, he'd be an outlier. That's why he got canned fast. Most people... And it, Eddie O got divorced. Probably the worst thing that ever happened to him for that job. I wonder if that really derailed him. Is that... I, I pay those guys to handle when the shit hits the fan. And I, I, I got to give Kyle some credit because it could have fallen off a cliff. And it was falling off a cliff. I mean, it, it was... It was one of those movie scenes where you like f- jump off the cliff, but somehow you hold on to like a piece of rock where if you hadn't, you'd fall off. And you pay the double-digit million guys to to hold you above. Like think about Andy Reid this year. All of a sudden, the Chiefs done. They're three and four. What's up with Mahomes? And I look up. It's like, are they going to win that division by four games? <laughs> you know, Belichick. It's like, oh, the it, the the franchise is fucked. Brady left them. No, they're fine. They're going to go, uh, a, I don't know, 12 and 5 or something. I mean, the Patriots and the Bucks both are eight win teams right now. Belichick and Brady have the same number of wins right now. But Kyle being a 10 win team when he started 2 and 5 would be incredible for his brand. And I hate that word, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it would be. Well, it would just. I, I uh, Did you read Marcus Thompson's piece about Clay Thompson in The Athletic? About him putting the towel over his head? I didn't read it. Just about him sitting on the court for like 35 minutes when everybody else was gone after a game and just sitting there. And he, he did, it was a great article. One of the things he wrote was like part of, you know, sharing somebody's joy with them is also sharing their misery with them. So if you, if you're able to share the points where they're down, then you can help share the points where they're up. And, um, 
It ingratiates you to a human being going through ups and downs with somebody. Yeah, but I think it wasn't so much about that as it was like you 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 understand you can appreciate the high if you've also felt the low, right? If you never feel low, how do you know that you're feeling high? Was he talking and, from uh, Clay's perspective, like how like just the feelings? I think he was just saying like everybody who everyone like it will be like they want him to return at home. Not, he's not going to come back on the road because it's going to be a special moment. And part of that moment is going to be everyone knowing because Clay is so transparent, how much it hurts him to be out, how much he loves basketball. And so because we know how much it hurts him to be out, we'll also know how much he loves being back. And I think for the yeah, can you just imagine because I mean, Kyle has a little of this, but Belichick had 20 years after last season, every single human taking shit on the Patriots. And then this season, they, I mean, they started one and three. They had a couple crazy losses. The pride everyone in Boston feels right now in their guy. Like, I would go, I would take a bullet for that little curmudgeon. Do you see what he was wearing today? I mean, it looked like he had on a 30-year-old white sweatshirt thing. and Like, he just looks like shit. They beat the shit out of Tennessee. And I'm not saying Kyle, it, I mean, he would sell his left nut to have a quarter of the career Belichick. But part, think of what Chiefs fan feel in Andy. Like, no matter what, like, we got our guy. Yeah, good times and just rocky. We have a rocky month. We ain't tripping. Kyle didn't have the equity when you had a rocky month. You just most of our phones look like. Is this team gonna go six and eleven? And it was gonna be like it's gonna be a tough one to shake, you know. And then all the pressure that's gonna be on Trey Lance next season. It's gonna be like God. This could snowball. Makes it a little easier if you just hell. All of a sudden you upset. As a touchdown underdog, Tampa Bay, even if you get blown out the next week, it was like, think about McVay last year, right? On the road, beat Seattle. You don't really remember the game they lost against the Packers. Like, he got a playoff win on the road. That was a big deal for his career. They're going to have to make some plays at Cincinnati, though, in two weeks. Who's that? The Niners. I mean, you're skipping the Seattle game. I'm not. No, no, I'm not (laughs) skipping it. I'm just saying, we've all, like, Seattle is always a game that we have circled. I'm just saying, Cincinnati. Cincinnati's good. Yeah. You know what? I mean, they've scored 32 and 41 the last two weeks. Who did they play last week? Uh, well, they played They played the Raiders like last weekend. Oh, oh right, 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 right. right. Yep. So they played the Raiders in Vegas, and then they played Steelers. I mean, I listen, I get the Steelers are a little compromised. 41 to 10, like beat the living shit out of them. Those are two, I mean, 32 to 13, 41 to 10 against the Raiders and Steelers. The Raiders and Steelers, the Steelers are five and five and one. The Raiders are six and five. I mean, that's they're not beating two win teams like this, right? Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's let's just. I mean, I I think the Seattle game is going to be hard for the Niners. That game's in Cincinnati. Yeah, remember because we were talking about how the Niners got flexed out of Sunday Night Football, which is good because they got to go to Cincinnati. Oh, I thought the Niners got flexed out of Sunday Night Football next week. Against Seattle. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, okay, I follow you. I follow you. Yeah, you're saying to make the shorter week. One advantage the Niners have this week is, I mean, as you're listening, I mean, Seattle doesn't even play till tomorrow, and it's in football team, right? I mean, that's... <laughs> it is in football team. <laughs> that's a long... I've never made D.C. to Seattle, but I can imagine that's... What's that? Into the wind? I mean, we're talking five and a half hour flight? Maybe six, <laughs> seven. I don't know. I mean, what time they, that game ends? What time are those guys getting back? Three in the morning? Four in the morning? That's a big advantage this week coming up. Win or lose. 
Um, on the stream, uh, Patrick says Rams are done. Can San Francisco get the second spot? Rams uh, are in trouble. Like I, I mean, they're, they're seven and they're, four. Niners are six and five. Niners have beaten them head to head. Who do who do the Rams have this week? Where's their game? Uh, Rams play Jacksonville. Then they play they at Arizona. Win. That's a tough game. That's a big game for Arizona, right? Yep. Then they so play they're going to win this week. They'll, they'll be night. eight and they'll be eight and four. Are we going to give them the Jacksonville game? Yeah, yeah, definitely. At Arizona versus Seattle, at Minnesota, at Baltimore versus Niners. Like they got to get their shit together here. You know, I don't. I'm not going to kill anybody for losing at Green Bay, but I mean, it just kind of when you come off a bye, you hate to lose that game. That's a tough game off a bye, though. At Green Bay, no, I know. I'm not. That's why I said I'm not killing them for that game. In fairness, like they've lost three straight games. Sneaky tough slate. They get Titans, who are the hottest team in the league. Now, they get them at home, but Sunday Night Football. Niners at Levi's Monday Night Football, who were just absolutely desperate that emptied the kitchen sink. And then they get at Green Bay. Like, that's, just, that's a tough just three-game stretch of football. I mean, that's what? The Titans are 8-4, and four, Niners are 6-5, and five, and the Packers are now 9-3. and three. Like, that's just it's not easy. I mean, the Niners had a stretch where they, you know, right, they lost a couple games. You just play harder teams if you're just not – if something's a little off – you can get exposed fast. We do it a lot in college football when these teams, it happens a lot in college basketball. You see, they go through this stretch like in December. It's like, God, they're nine and one. And you look, it's like Cal Poly, UC Davis, yeah, Weber you know, State, Northern you Arizona. Any, you don't play anybody their, in December. Who's their one loss? Oh, they lost to Gonzaga by 30. You're like, oh, <laughs> you know, We're in the NFL, like if you're just schedule breaks, like, oh, they're five and one. Who have they beat? Oh, they beat the Giants, the Jags, the Jets. It's like, oh, they're okay. I see what you're doing, <laughs> you know? Like, and listen, if you're going to be a good team like Tampa today, I think you just got to beat the Colts. Like, the Niners got their shot with the Colts, and they blew it, right? But they, like, you got to take, like, you get a chance to beat another good team. Like, you got to fucking win the game. The Niners have blown their two shots with Arizona. Yep. That's why it's so key in football to bank the wins against some shitty teams that give you a little room for error. We talked about it. I, I don't, it's crazy to think about, but... Winning those first two games, can you imagine if they would? I mean, they would have been done if they would have blown one of those two. They, they, I mean, they they might have that might have derailed their season. They might end up winning like five games this season, right? Because they would have started been one and five or something. Big difference between one and five and two and four. Well, they might have gone to the. They might Jimmy, you know, Garoppolo might have been out. Yeah. Early. Who knows? The other thing you can tell is like, as these games have got more playoffy. No Trey. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm not even worried. We ain't we ain't in the conversation. Business. No. Yeah. And listen, I I get it, but I also think it's I guess just part of the deal. Once you just put all your chips in the middle of the table, you're just gonna try to win every week. Andy did the same thing with Mahomes and Alex, but he made the playoffs. You know, like you if you're gonna do this, you have to make the playoffs because you're getting nothing out of it for Trey, right? On the field. And you got his one game and a half. Mahomes got one game. And the difference is, like, Mahomes won the MVP the next year. Like, we have no clue what we're going to get with Trey Lance. But they're, they're going to do everything humanly possible to win every single week, and Trey Lance is clearly not a part of that moving forward, right? Yeah. I think that's what we know. Like well, I'm, I, I still would not be shocked for the random goal line play, not package, not, like, three plays, but, like, a play. 
if they're in all these Especially, games the rest of the season, would you go over under five total plays? You know, assuming Jimmy's completely at this rate, healthy. Yeah, at this rate. Although, here's a take for you. Did it ever cross this? your mind he was going to come in today? Because no. it never did for me. <laughs> no, no. But, let, but let's talk about Debo because uh, Mayoko tweeted after the game. I, I think this was said in the post game. Debo Samuel said he doesn't have too much concern about his groin. He said he'll have an MRI on Monday morning and see where it goes from there. Uh, I'm going to say this half kidding. Would Kyle start using Trey Lance as the running back uh, in some of those uh, Debo situations? I think the answer is no, because Debo like runs like a running back. But um, you can't afford I, to get your your backup quarterback his leg shattered or something. No, too. you can't. Right. You can't. But th- I, I would say what Mayoko, what Debo said post game um, is pretty welcome because to see him walking around, towel on his head, no helmet. When he went down, I thought Achilles racing. Achilles ACL because he just went down. I think he I, felt a little twinge and went down. That that's what it looked like. Now maybe yeah. he slipped and that, but that's that was just my immediate reaction. Then you could kind of see he walked off and Bosa kind of said something to him and it looked like somebody asked Bosa and Bosa had a a, a, a diagnosis. Um, and then he's standing there and he's not coming back, but he's also you know not going straight to the locker room. This has been an issue before, and I have worried about his usage, particularly as a running back, whether or not that's what happened. I don't know. You know, I don't know that we can blame his usage, his high usage. He, he only had one catch, and he only I had know. six carries. His usage wasn't you know? that high on paper, but it felt high. But anytime you get a non-contact, it is scary, and uh, you kind of got to just wait and see because he's so critical to them. I think the one thing scary about him is that – Last year, and he had this year, the calf, remember, was an issue, and I think a hamstring. It has just been, you know, they're not issues for me and you. They're some of these finely tuned athletes. The hamstrings, the calves, the groins, uh, those type things are just, it's just something to be aware of with Debo, you know? Mm-hmm. For a guy that's, you know, Ben, like his durability, it's he's not breaking legs or tearing ACLs, but it is this these things, and... You know, you saw it with Greenlaw today. On There was that pass rush he had. or I, I can forget the exact play. Maybe it was like a guy stuffing a running back in the back. And he came up, and he just kind of jolted to the side and like, like he felt it rip again or something. Because then immediately goes the sideline, out for the game. You know? And I, I think it gets very scary with hamstrings, the growing region, the calf, because it can. it's never happened to me, but I know enough people just being around football – uh, that you feel right, and then you come back, even in practice. Like, they, they don't put Greenlaw out there if he hasn't been practicing in full, and he's felt good, and then he comes out in the game, and for whatever reason, it just makes you nervous with Debo. Because for them to, like, obviously to make a run, but be a good team every week, I mean, guy, he's their best player right now. He's an unstoppable, like, I don't even, what position does he play? He's just their offensive, he's their offense. Yeah. Him and Elijah Mitchell. Yeah. You know? I think he's had like three or four total catches the last two weeks, and it has not mattered because he's had he had six carries this week. I think he had was it eight for ninety last week. So it's like, what are we doing here? This guy is dominating on the ground at an elite level. Well, it's it's uh he he is one of the most valuable players in the NFL. That's uh, that's not an MVP conversation. I'm just saying he's yeah. one of the most valuable I, I, players I, I in agree the NFL. With you. I'm going. He, he my, broke my, up a pass. He broke up a pass. Last and year actually, was it was. What's that? I was just trying last, to remember. Oh, last year, 
he broke up a pass on, you know, one of the rare kind of deep shots to him in coverage. And it was, I thought, a really good pass breakup. It wasn't what just like What happens if he doesn't, guy? That, I it, think the guy in purple catches it. <laughs> it was his body control to like, if he was a DB, we'd give him credit for not going through the guy and somehow getting around the actual defensive back to break that up. I think you text me and move, put him a corner. What, what's the franchise tag for a corner? What's more money than play running back? Yeah, I mean, so I, he... Is that one of the better just one-on-one plays a DB has made for the Niners this season? Seriously. If you just flipped it. Like, if the other guy was a wide yeah. receiver, it was an incredible yeah. play. Yeah. He did grab he did grab a little jersey and lift himself up. Because you see well, the DB was like... Like he was the wide receiver? That's, that's, why, uh, that's why Zimmer was mad after the game, complaining about the officials. But he... It, uh, I mean, they could do – look, without him, they still were able to make plays. And Sherfield came into the game and made the catch. They were – but at that time, they, that was – they were at like the five-yard line, right? Yeah. They, did they score on they that? They lost. They, they kicked no, a field they goal field and goal. went up 34-26 after he got hurt. Yeah. So they were – I think they were very, very fortunate that that injury did not happen like 10 minutes left in the third quarter, right? When did that injury happen? Fourth quarter? Uh, yeah, that was after the Minnesota fumble. Might have been late third quarter, but it was yeah. later in the game. You're right. They were they had a thirty four they had thirty four points on the board. Like to me, if they had twenty two points on the board, even if they were up twenty two to fourteen or something, like that would have been like, oh my god. Because even he was able to smile just because you look up and the scoreboard was on your side. I think the, the scoreboard being on your side. What if they were down eight points when that happens? I think that's a pretty big kick in the dick because you were riding yeah. him. Again, his stats don't, but he's like become their Derrick Henry. It's crazy. Right? The stats do not reflect how much he affects, the, how much he touches the ball, it feels like. Because he's had two or three big plays both games where it's like, guy, he's scoring touchdowns on like 30 yard runs. <laughs> right. It's not a seven yard race to the pylon, it's home run run plays. He scored, he has multiple now back to back games. I mean, he had a touchdown run today of what? Uh, 40, his long of 49, but I don't know if he scored on that. I don't think that was the touchdown. No, but he had the 49 yard run. He clearly had multiple touchdown runs of like 20. 10 20 yards. The touchdown run was 20 yards. How many running backs get 20 yard run touchdown runs on a given week in the NFL? Like that's 20 yard run in the NFL for a touchdown is a sweet run, right? <laughs> it's, I mean, a 10 yard run in the NFL looks like when Elijah Mitchell gets a nine yard carry, that looks sweet. Yeah. Because you're covering, you're starting. Five yards behind the line of scrimmage, you're covering right. a lot of ground. So a 49-yard run when you're in the shotgun, think how long that run is for him. And his runs are also not A-gap runs. Like, he's hitting kind of sweeps. Right. Pretty sweet plays, too. The one with Elijah Mitchell blocking, that was sweet. So he had his second one was a shorter run, if I remember correctly. Because remember, it was like Jimmy, Elijah on his left, Debo on his right. They handed it to Debo, and Elijah led block. And they gave him some credit on the TV broadcast. He, I mean, he just kind of ran into somebody. But it was like, that's a that's a cool play. It is. They've done a lot of really – Kyle, to go back to Kyle earlier, they've done a lot of really creative things. And they have some of the most unique players. Kittle's unique, obviously. check is unique. Debo's very unique. And they know how to use them, which I don't think every coach would know how to do. But, I, again, Debo, part of this whole thing is built on Debo. Debo I, creates a lot of other opportunities. I think they are very, very lucky. If you turn Debo into Justin Jefferson, it would be a pro. It'd be harder for the Niners with the Jimmy Garoppolo. I think yeah, De- Debo is so valuable to him because they can just hand him the fucking ball. 
if he was just like Devontae Adams, they just would not be able to f- feed him the rock because right? their quarterback doesn't play like that. So now he's gotten all these, you know, whatever, eight. He's gotten 14 touches the last two weeks on the ground for basically, I think it was 88 yard last week, 60. I mean, he's over like 160 yards back, you know, total two weeks in a row because they literally just hand, Jimmy just has to hand him the ball. That is a huge, like for Kirk to get Justin Jefferson the ball, he has to complete it 30, 40, you know, 20, 30 yards down the field. That'd be a problem for Jimmy. So, I mean, they're lucky and they get credit. They drafted him. They loved him at the senior bowl. They are very, very lucky to have Debo's skill set on their team with this team, right? Because you could, because well, the guys it's I'm listing, like Keenan Allen, all these guys that are just like elite receivers, no, I don't think they would be that good with Jimmy. No, it's perfect. The question is, could you, could you know, can you? And I do think you can. Can he? Can he be that other type of guy that makes plays down the field in the pass game? We haven't really gotten to see it much. I think we'll learn one day. When five probably, a quarterback. Yeah, it's probably not outside stuff, right? It's over the middle of the field. But he had, he had a couple plays this year on the post route. And yeah. Feels more Iuke's speed guy. Might be a little those might be contested catches, which is fine. He can he makes those it, plays. It's also hard to tell Kyle just does not call plays outside the numbers down the sideline. That's just they don't they do not do well, that. He called it, one it once play with Jim. the numbers early in the game and it was almost a or I guess a little later. It was after the first pick. It was almost a pick up a pick again. It was a third down throw. Are you talking about the one Debo broke up? No, no, no. I'm talking about not a downfield throw, but an outside-the-numbers throw to oh, the yeah. left. I'm just talking about, like, go routes. Like, they don't really throw go routes with Jimmy Garoppolo. And you know why that Debo play? I don't think they trust Jimmy Garoppolo to hit that play, and they shouldn't. So you have you have plays in the playbook that Kyle clearly just scraps. And he's lucky that he's able to, like, and this is where he gets credit as a coach, and they this is where Debo gets credit as just a star player, that he's able to do these other things. Right? Like, part of it is like, oh, we need this other guy to play point guard today. Steph's like, cool, I'll just play shooting guard and run around. Right? Like, the more you can do, we say that a lot, like, the more you bring the table as an offensive player, like, part of what makes Juszczyk, you'd be like, are they really going to give Juszczyk another $25 million contract? Well, yeah. He can fucking block. He can catch balls. I mean, he can just do a lot of things for you. Right? Yep. It would not be worth it, no offense to our guy, <laughs> but if he was just Lorenzo, like, he was just a, a, a well, true blocker. It's part of what sucks for him is that the market for him is not huge, right? I would imagine. Part of Lorenzo, a lot of teams wanted Lorenzo because a lot of people ran the eye. Yeah, a lot of people played that way then. Now, we thought there's still enough other kind of Kyle people out there that, you know, there would be a market. But even then, it's just it's hard to find a spot. Hard to convince a GM to give $5 million a year to that position. There's only one roster. There's only so many – not one roster spot. There's only so many roster spots. So you have to really value every player that you have. Now, the beauty with him is he can do multiple things. That's the beauty of Kittle. He can do multiple things. Like, in some ways, they're worth more than one roster spot to the Niners, right? Yeah. Kittle's kind of – or uh, use check – is worth, I don't know, a, a two roster spots to the Niners just because you might – if you wanted a fullback and you couldn't catch, you couldn't rely on him to do some of the things use check does, you'd need two different players to do the thing that he does. Kittle's same thing. Uh, Kittle's totally – you know, you probably use the same number of roster spots on tight ends, whether you have Kittle or not. You just don't, you know, you just can't do some of the stuff you can do with him. But um, all right. So we'll we'll await uh, further word on on Debo Samuel. But glad he's optimistic. Yeah. OK, you want to rattle through some other stuff? So much out there. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? There's other NFL stories we want to talk about. Let's talk about Lincoln Riley. 
because people in the chat have been asking about it. Can we talk about Lincoln now? Yeah. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. Butcherbox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, Promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M. Save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Blown away, John. Blown away. Lincoln Riley, it's official now. USC has announced it. Is the next head football coach at USC. Asked on Saturday night, were you did you see the video of this? Is uh yeah, so I saw it this morning. And what was it? He got asked if he was gonna be the coach at LSU last night? 
Uh, yeah, he got asked because there were a bunch of reports. Someone there was like an Oklahoma reporter that said he's basically agreed to a verbal agreement with LSU. And there was, you know, Jay Boy who works for Coward had said that LSU and it made sense had offered him like eight years, ninety five million dollars. So Mel Tucker got ten ninety five. They had offered him basically like twelve million dollars a year. Hmm. It's like okay, yeah, he might go to LSU. It didn't seem that crazy, <laughs> right? I mean, it, so it seemed a little crazy, but. Or were they just, my theory is that they just used Lincoln's people because he never got asked about USC. So it's just you overwhelmed with LSU because you do not want to get asked about the team you're going to. You just right. don't. And you can leaving. deny LSU. Yeah. That's, that's the wild part. It's like, he wasn't lying. Yeah. Who would have thought to ask about USC? In what world? And I, and I, you know, I'm in the camp that thinks it's a good job, but I did not think they could get Lincoln Riley. And I give them a ton of credit for dreaming big, John, but obviously delivering. Now, there are some things about the SC job that either the coach wants to be there or not, regardless of what your pitch is, because there are some inherent things to USC, a location, right? He's recruiting guys. He's recruiting against USC for a lot of players in that area. He and, and he's recruiting against LSU and Alabama and everybody, Clemson for players in the LA area. Yeah. But I also sit back and go, he did just go to USC, as in, if you win at USC, if you return USC to what it was, USC with Pete Carroll and Reggie Bush and Matt Leiner is not just one of the best college football teams of all time. It's just one of the most iconic sports eras of our lives. USC football, that's a thing. Patriots football, that's a thing. The Red Sox, thing. Right. The Braves of the 90s. Like, that's what USC football, the Lakers, the Celtics pick all your different eras in those franchises. But it's your boy, Anthony Munoz and Marcus Allen and Reggie Bush. Baselli and Baselli and Troy Polamalu and Bruce Matthews and Ronnie Lott and the juice. I mean, and OJ and all, you know, it's like that's where he, he just went to fight on USC to the palm trees and L.A. And in that sense, it's not – I don't think it's that crazy. I don't. I think it's a guy trying to climb a mountain, and this is one hell of a mountain. If you're going to get a shot to take that job, and they're going to give you everything you want. Because here's the other thing I'll say about them, and then I'll you can jump in. They have not in recent years hired coaches that um, – other people wanted. That, that need, yeah, that other people wanted and that didn't need them as much as they needed that coach. Like yeah. they needed Lincoln Riley more than Lincoln Riley needed USC. And what when you when you hire that type of coach, what you do is if you're in leadership, if you're the AD, if you're the president, if you're a major booster, you kind of put your own influence over the program at risk. When you hire Clay Helton, when you hire when you promote from within, like you know Lane, when you go get Sark, when it's kind of bad at Washington, you're not hiring people who have the power to say no to the entity that is like 72 advisors on the USC board or whatever it is. Yeah. Lincoln Riley can say, look guys, if you'd say no to me on anything you told me, you'd say yes to me on I'm out. I'll have five other job offers in one second. And so you SC gave up a little of its institutional power, which is what you got to do. You got to give up in college. You got to give a football coach the power to know that when he needs something, you say yes. And they just got a guy that has the power to go, if you guys aren't doing what I want, I'm out. 
And that's good. That's what you got to do. That's that's called being an adult and re- recognizing what your program needs. And that's what SC needed. And I give him a ton of credit for getting it. Yeah, I think it's stunning, man. I mean, I was <clears throat> I'm floored, honestly, sitting here right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I and you and I have talked about this a bit. A big problem for a couple weeks ago, I remember reading L.A. Times wrote an article that even though Chip ended up going eight and four, that they didn't get their money's worth and they're spending four million dollars. One issue I've had with the Pac-12, who is my favorite conference, is that like it just doesn't feel they're keeping up with the Joneses. They're not spending the money. The, the Baylor coach could make seven million dollars. Like they're going and it costs so much more in our cities. Obviously, in California and in L.A., it's astronomical. But even Seattle's really expensive. Now, fucking Arizona's expensive. Colorado's these are expensive play. It is not expensive to live in Norman, Oklahoma. Like my guess is, we're sitting here. We don't have the information. They gave him one hundred twenty-five million dollars. Like it would not shock me if it's reported tomorrow. He got a hundred twenty-five million dollar contract. Like I expect to see for what eight like that. for how many years? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, whatever the math. I mean, who knows? Maybe one ten. But it's it's going to be something that people go like, wow, right? It's not. They got Lincoln Riley five years for fifty million dollars. He was making almost eight. It's cheap to live there. I'm sure you've seen it. If you haven't seen it, just type it into Twitter. Like. It's the first coach to leave Oklahoma for another college job since the 40s. Like, guys, you just don't leave that program. They have unlimited resources. They win all the time. They're supportive. It's like the Steelers. That, to me, the most jarring part is he left USC from Oklahoma. Right? If, if the Lincoln-Riley equivalent had been at even Texas A&M or right, uh, an Iowa State like a Matt Campbell even like a Washington out here on the, the Arizona State, and it had been the same story. Be like, yeah, but left Oklahoma because part of it was just he's not going to leave LSU for you know from Oklahoma because why would he? And I was like, yeah, it makes sense, right? You can make all the money. They run national championships, coaches out of there. Lincoln's a god. It's pretty nuts. And th- to me, the craziest part though, guy is is he's a Southern. He's from Texas. He worked at Oklahoma for a long time. Played at Texas Tech. From Texas then coached Eastern Carolina, like that he wanted to come to Los Angeles. Like that's pretty, I give USC a lot of credit that they got this done because that's, I, I, if you just would ask, even if money was the same, they're like, yeah, I just don't think he'd want to come out here because he can get the players from out here to, on his team. Right? He doesn't need to work out here yeah. and win. Yeah. That's what's shocking to me that his, the culturally that he chose to come out here. Yeah. I, uh, God, there's so many things. Um, I think it's the biggest hire in the history of the Pac-12 football coaching hires. Now, uh, you know, I said that on Twitter, and some people are like, "What about Pete Carroll?" Yeah, Pete came, turned into a you know one of the greatest coaches, but when they hired him, he was not this, right? Yeah. To hire this guy, I think Chris Peterson was a big hire that got people's attention because people had been trying to hire Chris. Pete, and look, Pete was an NFL coach, so that that was a big hire. But I think this hiring Lincoln Riley. At, at his height, right, when if you said Lincoln Riley's available, how many programs in America would try and bid on Lincoln Riley? Who wouldn't bid on Lincoln Riley? I mean, Clemson would be good. Alabama State, would be good. Alabama, Georgia would be yeah. good. Ohio there'd State be, would be good. I think there would be four programs. Cincinnati would be good. That's yes, Cincinnati. Notre Dame would want him probably. I mean, it's that's why I say I think is it is the – Hey, we are who we say we are, USC football. Because there's been this debate for three months now. Does anybody want that job? Well, not only did somebody want the job, 
one of the great coaching can one of the best coaches in college football, one of the most desirable coaches in college football, wanted the job. Uh, and so I think it, it is it feels very validating for USC now as well. Like, hey, see, and it doesn't matter. It's they could have paid him two hundred million dollars. People say, oh, they just came for the money. They got him. They got him. They needed it. The con- the conference needed it. I mean, football out here. Yeah, going it. to the pl- going to the playoff. We, it, we needed it. That's <laughs> right. You know, um, I did wonder: is this the first coach ever that's that that has the school has lost a coach because they changed leagues to a better league? I'd be interested to really know: did he if if Oklahoma was staying in the Big Twelve, would he have done this? I think there are going to be some fantastic like Bruce Feldman, Pete Thamel articles the next month on this because it is. I think it's one of the most stunning things that's ever happened in our lifetime in college football. Like Nick Saban left Miami. Like it's like whatever the Dolphins. Like you don't leave the Steelers. You well, it had been rumored. People were asking him about it, right? But to leave, Al- oh yeah, Nick to go to Alabama, and he yeah. denied it. I, I think the craziest part about Lincoln, and I give his people credit, is that it never caught out that he was interested in USC because he he would have had to answer it, and he never once had to answer about USC. He got very lucky in that sense, right? There's just guy. People still make fun of Nick Saban for going. I'm not going to the Dolphins, right? I'm and not. Lincoln's doing rep, this. his rep, his rap is that he's not the you know slimy kind of lie to everybody's face guy. Although um, I saw Gabe Eichard, who does he's on like Oklahoma radio, like I think he's on like yeah. the broadcast, maybe pre post. I'm not exactly sure, but he's part of their radio network. He said today that. He'd been hearing from like the last two weeks. He's like, you know, a lot of people are surprised by this. I'm not. I'd been hearing for two weeks from other coaches on the staff that like Lincoln was acting a little weird and that some people thought he might have already accepted a job. I think what's really unique about it for SC is if he beats Oklahoma State on Saturday night, then they go to the Big 12 title game, right? Well, he's not taking that job between now and the Big 12 title game. Not with a college football playoff birth on the line potentially they probably if he would have beat oklahoma state and then beat baylor would they have got in uh if he'd beat oklahoma state i think they would have played oklahoma state again next week it wouldn't have been baylor and you know i could cincinnati lose in their conference championship game right i mean they still would have needed some help oh so he wouldn't have got like double credit like two teams he would have played oklahoma state twice i mean he would have got some credit for it but you if he was going to the college football playoff as he's done you're not hiring him at U.S. He can't. He's not he done, leaving. Bef- I think he's done like three times. Right? Yeah. Well, so he's not leaving between now and the CFP, and you're not waiting for him. Probably. I mean, if you if he promised you he's coming, okay. After the national championship game, I'm there. Then maybe you would say, all right, one recruiting class, screw it. We'll let Lincoln just get all his guys in the portal. It'll be fine. But it makes it like it's hard to hire coaches who are in the college football playoff because they just they're working. They're not walking away from the Holiday Bowl, yeah. right? So if he beats Oklahoma State Saturday night, is this under wraps for another week? I don't. I don't know. I, it would have been fascinating to find out what. It's not an accident that he lost and then it came out. Maybe it's been done for two weeks and they just he had to make sure he wasn't going to the Big Twelve title. You're not announcing it before that. You had to make sure he wasn't going to the playoff. The timing of these things is makes it. I. I it's wild. I don't know. Maybe it's been done for two weeks. And they were pushing the LSU thing so we could keep denying it. You're right. That's a good theory. I, maybe they were helping him out do that, too. Because it didn't just he didn't just take the job Saturday night after he got beat. And, and maybe one thing that will come out is one of those deals like, listen, a little Kyle, 
John Lynch, like if anything gets out, I'm not coming. Like I'm not coming. Like you, you better show me. Like can you guys keep your mouth shut? Because the one thing about Lincoln, he is <clears throat> for he's 38 years. I mean, he's one year older than me. <laughs> for some reason, last night because watching the game, I'm like, hey, he's like 41. You know, I remember he was like 37 a couple weeks. No, he's 38 right now. But he, when you hear him talk, he does not carry himself like he's in his 30s. He carries himself like he's in his 50s. He is a serious cat. Like he is gonna, he's gonna shake some shit up there. He is not oh. coming in like all fluff, and he doesn't have the even the Pete Carroll BS. Like he is not. I I think it's these guys are gonna be in for one. He's a hard ass. He's shave he's really it. he yeah he's gonna shave it one day. Guy, when you make fifteen million dollars and you live in Malibu, it, it don't matter. <laughs> it don't matter. It's a it's a very very big deal. Incredible for college football that it happened, but kind of great because, like Oklahoma, you'd argue that they want them to be good. Like they're a powerhouse on TV every week, right? Huge. They were they were Herb Street and uh, Fowler's game last night. Yeah, I mean, but they're you know the Big Twelve and for Fox is happy either way. Fox actually is a winner here because Fox. Yeah, they were going to lose them to the SEC. Huh? The they're going to lose them now. They come to, I mean. Gus, good for Joel Klatt and Gus. They might get to hang in L.A. a few more days instead of going to Columbus every week. I would say this. Lincoln's next job is the NFL. I, I, I underestimated his ambition. Not that he wasn't an ambitious person and not that he was content, but sometimes you just get like, if you become the number two yeah. guy at Facebook, like you don't need to be like, jump to another job. You're like, hey, I can make hundreds of millions of dollars here. Life's pretty good. Like I can win a national championship here, make an unlimited amount of money. I can go to the Cowboys from here. Clearly he thought... Or just saw an easier path, because it is well, an easier path. Yeah, but I, I, you're right, and when I, I don't mean that to diminish him leaving. It just no, no, no. is like I can build up in the some same ways. team here even better and kick everyone's ass. In some ways, it's easier. In other ways, he's leaving a place where he had everything that he wanted to go to a place that's been struggling to find it. When he took over Oklahoma, they were not struggling to find it when he took over for Bob Stoops. Right? It was a. It was the engine was already running. That's not to diminish what Lincoln's done. But in some ways, it's it's harder. Now, in theory, it's easier than it, than the SEC would be if he gets it rolling to win that league every year because it's proven to be wide open. But you're right. It's great for everybody else in the Pac-12. If you're Washington now, I actually think like if you're Washington now, you're like, all right, well, I don't know what they were thinking, but maybe they have to turn the dial up a couple notches on who they're going to hire. Oregon, it's good for Oregon in the end. Like you want to be in a league with other good teams, it elevates you. Utah, fascinating. It's just, it's great for the Pac-12. It's great for West Coast football. I think it helps the other team. If if all the kids are going to leave LA, and the only way they can stay is if SC keeps them, then it's good that SC is good because now if I'm recruiting a kid from LA and I'm Oregon, now I come to the Coliseum to play USC and they're wearing sixth. And I'm ranked 14th. And now maybe the kid's thinking about me too, because the SC game matters. So it's like, hey, you come play for me. We're going to come play USC every twice in your career, or you know whatever the case is. It uh, to me, it actually kind of helps other teams in the league have a shot at the LA kids. Now, look, ideally, the LA kids just stay. It doesn't matter who they go to. You'd love for him to go to SC. But he had multiple. Somebody, I love reading the replies because I think the Oklahoma people are shell shocked, understandably so. I kind of feel for him. Um, and some of the replies to one of the tweets was like, next level thinking. He's been recruiting California kids on Oklahoma's dime only to get them to decommit when he goes to USC. 
it's just incredible. And then there's Who's Oklahoma going to hire? He also Venables, has a, does, Venables at Clemson does does not seem like he wants to be a head coach. Yeah, he's yeah, happy he, being the DC. He, the other thing with Lincoln, though, I would imagine like he does have a young family. Like his wife would have to have also wanted to be a part of this and wanted to live there. Like it's yeah. Like I, I doubt if she was like, I do not want to leave. He leaves. Maybe he convinced her, but like she would have to want to live out there. Now, obviously, they they have so much money they can live in the nicest spots. But I, I, the risky thing is that he would not have committed if he didn't get like the going rate for a good coordinator. At the, he's going to try to win national championships. He's not comparing himself to Washington or Cal, right? Even I mean, he is comparing himself to Oregon, but not necessarily like Deruder. I think we found he made seven hundred fifty grand. I think it was Venables or eight twenty five, and probably with some bonuses, some he'll bonuses end up getting around a million. Yeah. Venables makes like two. Right, and I think the top guys at some different schools. I think the going right for the elite school, an elite guy would be like one point two five. Well, in a lot of these universities, it's much cheaper to live. So he has to be like, whoever I want, do I have two million dollars to get a defensive coordinator? Because that's the the best part about him. His offensive staff, like he is the play caller and he is the quarterback coach, basically. Right. So it's that we always talk about this in the NFL. Think of what a huge advantage that is to have. Like it's why I hated the James Franklin. I'm like. He's just all fluff, and he doesn't coach either side of the ball. He's never even called plays. So you got to give him a shitload of money for his offensive and defensive coordinator. All I need is like, okay, get $2 million for a defensive coordinator. That's the going rate. And really, it's the going rate's like 1-1, but it's fucking L.A. It's really expensive. It's outrageously expensive, guy. I mean, where we live is the same way. Like, that is not normal for these college coaches that are th- making 800 grand coaching linebackers in Tuscaloosa, you know? Right. That that's a huge that that to me is where I'm so shell shocked. He could get a position coach to come to Norman, Oklahoma for five hundred grand. USC would have to pay that same guy double. And honestly, it's it's more than double. Now, obviously, he's not going to get like, but I think get triple the salary. I do think, yeah, I also do think part of the job when you're when you're a position coach, especially coordinators, you can you could throw a ton of money at coordinators. Position coaches, a lot of decisions do come down to money, but I think every position coach wants to be a coordinator. And so going to coach for Lincoln Riley, I think is going to have an inherent dollar value on it for guys where, where, where he doesn't necessarily have to offer the most money to a position coach. For sure. But it's like, if I'm making 500 grand in the sec, you can't pay me 500 grand to come. Like if I'm coaching for Saban or even Arkansas or some of these places, like I'm yeah. winning, Like it's a, it's a dramatic downgrade in lifestyle. That, that's where I'm just, and we're talking, I mean, this is a lot of money. Worth. I mean, you make 500 grand, it's a lot of money in California, but these guys are making that in the ACC, the SEC, the Big Ten. It's just way cheaper to live. That's yeah, well, the, I can't even imagine what they guaranteed him for a staff. It had to be a lot. Because well, it should be. Are you, so try, are you trying to compete or not? Like, What's well, been my beef with the Pac-12? You can't complain line. about $4 million coach. If you're going to have $4 million coaches, you're going to get rolled. Like, we need more seven, eight, nine, ten million dollar coaches out here. Well, you got to make more money. You got to go to the playoff. You got to get better TV deals. Like, Lincoln Riley might have just changed the whole trajectory of the Pac 12 by coming to USC. Yeah. Because it's, it's been a huge advantage for Oregon because they've had the money pit, right? It's a huge advantage for Oklahoma State. Like, they just have so much money there, right? They just. That's why people get so flabbergasted with Texas. It's like, you guys have everything. I know. You guys travel like 70 cheerleaders. <laughs> you don't have enough money to make this work. And, and money doesn't guarantee you everything, but when you do have the resources, if you do get the right guy, the rest is history, right? Like part of what makes Nick an unstoppable force, he's the best, and they give him unlimited resources. 
right? That's, I think, been like where people are like, Jim, we're paying you $9 million. Can you just beat Ohio State one time? We're giving you everything you need. And that yeah. was the beef with him, right? And he finally felt like kind of validated it all. Did you see his shot at Ryan Day? No. He said uh, they talked a lot of shit last year. And I think Ryan Day, I don't think said in a press conference, but maybe like a booster, we want to hang 100 on him. That just got out there in the ether somewhere nothing over the like last a, year. like a booster quote. And Jim's quote was, you know, some people are, are born on third base and think they hit a triple. It was like, <sighs> damn. Now, there were a lot of people in the comment section of just the Reddit boards. And he had, like Ryan Day has won some big games by himself. And clearly they've Still, recruited at a high level. But that's... But it's like, you know, he does got, you know, Urban did hire him. Like, if you win a national championship a year or two after Nick Saban, like, you get a little credit, but like, Nick fucking brought all these people here. Can you do it five years after? Like, what's Ryan Day now? Probably three years in, four years in? I think he's better than that, but I understand where Jim took a shot. You just got to get it in when you can get it in. Harbaugh, who once, you know, guaranteed he was going to beat him as a player. Yeah, he's, I mean, this is his third year. So, Jim, he's he inherited some awesome stuff, right? Yeah. Jim kicked his ass. Jim kicked his ass. Ran it down their throat. I, honestly, my takeaway from that is I don't think it's inconceivable Michigan can win the whole thing. I agree. No one's like, there's not a complete team. Georgia's probably the best team, but their quarterback is not great. But they'll probably beat Alabama, and then you'll get Alabama. Then you'll get Georgia, Michigan. Assuming, like, Could you, I'm not 100 certain Jim wins this week. You know, it's just, I'm not either. High highs, low lows. I'm not know? either. He is a 10 point favorite. So you win this week. Iowa. Even though I thought, I, oh, I guess Wisconsin lost last night. Wisconsin too. lost to Minnesota. So you have, yeah. I, if Alabama gets KO'd, and you get. Mm. I guess you could get Oklahoma State or Cincinnati. Michigan's going to be favored in that game, and Georgia's going to be favored whoever they play. I think Jim Harbaugh versus Georgia, that'd be a pretty big deal for college football, right? You think college football would sign up for that? Get Jim Harbaugh in the natty against Georgia? I would I would, I would, would contribute funds to that pot. What would you guess the line would be on that? Georgia by three or four? Mm, Bigger than that? Say like five, uh, five Seven? and a half. Yeah. Let's say Michigan wins, you know, let's say they beat Oklahoma State by 20 and Georgia curb stomps Cincinnati. You think Georgia would curb stomp Cincinnati or it would be closer? I don't think so. Well, I think Cincinnati's have you seen their not. Defense? Cincinnati's defense? No. Oh, Georgia's, Georgia's defense? defense? Yeah. I, mean, I curb I, stomp, I just, what does that mean? Like 30 to 10? Yeah, I, like they don't really move the ball past the 50-yard yeah. line very often. I could see I a know. trick play like the first series from from Cincinnati. That's that's what you definitely yeah. They do. might need it. Uh, okay, what else? Harbaugh, Harbaugh Gundy would be pretty good. Harbaugh Gundy would be great. You know, <laughs> Gundy was three and fourteen against Oklahoma before they beat him on Saturday. That's pretty incredible. Your rivalry I, I was, to be three and fourteen. Well, I was texting last night with Hunter Mahan. He's like, you know, in all my years of watching this game, this was one of the first times where I ever thought like we had the better team. Yeah, and got Gottlieb had a tweet like what. Everyone just, you can say whatever you want. Like, we don't get the same caliber recruit. So it's like, this is a rivalry. Because I think to the Oklahoma State guys, they go, you act like this is Michigan-Ohio State. They get the same player. We do not get the same player here. (laughs) Right? Kyler Murray does not come to Oklahoma State. It's a big deal. Like, Des Bryant last night was on the sideline. 
it's it's not it's not these we're not equals, right? So when we can even play tight like three and four and fourteen or whatever, how many of those games do you think Mike Gundy was favored? Probably none. Uh, one maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's and I think the biggest deal, like watching the games yesterday, which rivalry week is pretty incredible, to watching the NFL like today, like ultimately Minnesota wasn't going to win or lose because they were on the road. Like it is really, really difficult in college, especially when there's like true hatred for the rivalry games. Like Minnesota was like they were going to lose because they didn't turn it over or they didn't not because like they couldn't hear right at all. Like yesterday, Auburn, Alabama's like I don't think these kids can hear. It's fucking place is going berserk. Like even Lambo is probably the closest thing we have. It's loud, but it's not. It doesn't. It didn't feel like the same thing as yesterday. Some of these games. There is. I love the NFL. College first, especially like the senior day day, and the band. Like you get a band. It's just there's just it's just. I'm not saying it's better. I'd have a hard time choosing one. If you said you could only go to one, if I was attending games, I would prefer college games. Actually, one hundred percent. I would well, not. I, I might never attend another NFL action. <laughs> but there's so Actually, much. But, huh? I might have a cool little invite coming up at the early in January. Uh, but um, yeah, I I uh, I don't know. They're both great. College football was great on Saturday. Uh, Raiders Raiders Cowboys the most watched game since I think in the history of the modern day television deals. Thirty eight million people. A regular season. Uh, regular season, yeah. Incredible. I mean, I watched some of the Seinfeld. They put it on Netflix. I've never been a huge Seinfeld watcher. Yeah. But I've just, I just started on season four. I'm watching the episodes. Even though I've seen bits and pieces and heard of all the, like, the funny things, like, and I've seen a lot of it, I, I've just never really watched episode after episode after episode. So I went on Wikipedia and some of their highest rated episodes before, like, the last season were, like, you know, 35, 38 million. In the 90s, that was a, you know, cha-ching, cha-ching. So to do 38 million people in 2021, now part of it's like, you know, the Cowboys, the midday game, everyone's eating during that time. It's it's the perfect storm. Like you could put Jags, Texans, and that game would probably get 20 million people, right? But you put the Cowboys, it was a really good game. I mean, Derek played one of his the better games he's ever played in his life. I mean, he was he really was really good in that game. He got played back. And I thought for them, I thought after they lost the Bengals, short week, everything they'd been through, I, I got to stop. To, I, you know, one thing I thought watching that game, I got to stop bringing up Henry Ruggs and John Gruden because they, what they put together on Thursday night, on on uh, Thanksgiving was incredible, incredible to win that like, game. They over just to overcome save their, save their season to save their season. I thought they were toast. So uh, that was impressive. That was really great. Did you watch any of the uh, Bryson uh, golf thing on Friday? Watch one hole. I thought it was really, really dumb. It just it, too much Kepka and Bryson. It's just weird. It, it didn't work. I my, my, would be my take. Just was I didn't no see much there. of it. I wasn't. I'm not surprised to hear that though. Yeah, just it was just like weird. if you have to shorten the competition because the guys aren't good enough personalities to carry 18, then yeah. And Bri- and Brooks. I okay. I watched more in a hole, but I was like, I was at El Macero. We were we couldn't. It was the golf course so packed. We just went to the bar. And they have these, they they ripped out some of the lockers in the locker room at this country club in Davis. And they put two TVs on the wall and you just couches. And the, the drinks lady will come in there so, I mean, for like three hours, a couple TVs. They had like Brooks, be, or Kepka beats them pretty, pretty easily. 
like I think with three or four holes to go. But then they kept doing charity stuff, like close to the pin, you know, for a million dollars. Then they do long drive. So they, they just kept kind of fucking around and Phil and Charles were on the mic. So it was, but the problem is those two, you know, it's like Brooks is trying to be serious. Bryson's in a weird spot. He's not a great pickup golfer. Like that's not really his game. Like he's mm. like Nick Saban doesn't do pickup football. You know, I mean, this is Bryson needs like statistics, break it down. Like he can't just be out there fucking around. So four, Kepka four days just, of preparation. Yeah. To me, kept he, he, he's, I, I would imagine most like top 20 players would beat him in that situation where it's looser, but it's still serious. That ain't Bryson's deal. Now they went to the long drive hole. He pumped out a couple like 400 yards to raise money for charity. And it was pretty important. Like he, I mean, Kepka's deep, and he's flying it by him. Charles had a great line. He's like, because uh, they're in Vegas talking about gambling. You know, Phil's getting into it. He's like, yeah, you know, there's a reason I gamble. It's because my freeloading family, I don't plan on leaving them a penny when I die. <laughs> That's good. That's a great line. I, I met a guy who runs a restaurant this weekend, and he's like, uh, I was like, how's the restaurant? He's like, oh, man, I'd love to get rid of it. I'm like, why don't you? He's like, because my wife's freeloading family. I got to employ all of them. I was like, that sucks. It's one of those where it probably feels like an awesome idea and once it starts working, it's got to be pretty difficult. The energy uh, it takes. The hey, Diablo here's brothers. You know, it's a lot of, a lot of energy to keep those restaurants right. going. <laughs> that's right. Puesto, they're doing it. The, John, the Chargers have not won back-to-back football games since October 10th. They lost to the Ravens. They went to a bye. They lost to the Patriots. They beat the Eagles. They lost to the Vikings. They beat the Steelers. They lost to the Broncos. Are they? They I, are slipping. I, I'm not going to blame because I, I think it's easy just to be like Brand Staley's overrated, but I do think it's fair to say that he's a guy in his late 30s who was a coordinator for one year in the NFL, whose experience level, like even when Sean McVay got the job at 35. I was talking about this with someone at Thanksgiving, like Belichick, one of his great advantages, right? He's been in the league since 1975, so seven, you know, 51 years or whatever, or 55 years. I'm not even, I don't, my math off, 75, yeah, 15, a long time. Sean McVay got into the NFL when he, he's like our age, when he graduates college in 08 at 22. So even by the time he was hired in 2017, he had been in the pros as a position coach, as a quality control guy, as a coordinator for over a decade. Like when Kyle got his job, another young guy had been in it for a while. Lincoln Riley, young guy when he was hired. Google Lincoln Riley when he started coaching. He got cut from Texas Tech by Mike Leach. He was hired two days later on the coaching staff. He started coaching when he was like 20 years old. I bet Lincoln would tell you his greatest advantage to the coaching profession was I didn't wait till like even my college career ended as a backup. Lane Kiffin, same thing happened. That yeah. Pat Hill and Tedford, and he just starts being an assistant coach. That Brandon Staley, he's coached, but he was a John Carroll up until like 16. How can he handle, like, again, he's an impressive guy. He gives a great soundbite about political stuff that gets everyone on social media jerking him off. And I, listen, I'm not even trying to diminish what he's he saying. He gives a great soundbite about football. I, yeah, I he's, just a, he's, a smart, he's a smart guy. But there is an experience level of coaching in the NFL as a head coach how can he relate to this? He can call Steve Kerr all he wants on the phone, and he does shit like that. He's big on that, right? I talked to Pat Riley. Like, eventually, Belichick's like, yeah, I've talked to everybody. I, I, I just know what I do because I've seen this before, right? He, and he's a bad example because he's way older. But I just, like Kyle can go like, yeah, I remember when I was on Kubiak stack, staff in 08, 
and this happened, and we did this. Remember, D'Amico, you were a rookie linebacker on that team. D'Amico's like, oh, yeah, I've been around the NFL for 14 years. Like, what's Brandon Staley? Like, hey, guys, hey, Keenan, at John Carroll, our rub routes used to do this way. Because part of it, guy, their offense isn't that good. What's going on with Justin Herbert? I I think they're at risk. Two picks of, today. Yeah, I look, they're at risk of just I don't want to look up in four years and Herb and Herbert's on his third coach, you know. And this this is they're still in the playoff race right now. They're over five hundred. So I don't want to jump the shark. But, but I just doesn't it feel like they should be like an eight and four team, you know? Yeah, they they fired a coach last year, even though they were good, because they weren't good enough. Good, right? uh, good would be strong. Well, I'm sorry. They fired a coach last year after Herbert was good. Usually, if your rookie yeah. quarterback's really good, you get an extension. You don't get fired. If you make your rookie quarterback look better than a lot of people thought, right? Herbert looked fantastic. That usually doesn't get you fired with a rookie quarterback. It usually, regardless of record, gets you kept if at minimum, if not extended. And Anthony Lynn, that didn't happen. So they made it very clear very quickly the standard is we have to win football games. We have to win. It's not just Herbert looks good. We have to win games. So, okay. It's just there, there is immediate pressure on Brandon Staley when you bring a coach in in that circumstance. And I hope for particularly Herbert's sake that they can figure it out. And Justin's, you know, has some stability. Scary. Because he hasn't had that much. I mean, he's had several coordinators in his life, right? Did he have a couple in college? Yeah, he did. Was he the, did, did he go through Willie? Mario transition? Uh, yes. Yeah. He's seen some crazy shit. Yes. Because he showed up. I'm sure what's-his-name was the head coach, right? Or maybe he got fired that year. Helfrich? I guess he would have been committed to him because he was a Eugene kid. Yeah. Uh, don't remember exactly the timeline. Because this is Mario. This is the end of Mario's... Third year. Third year. So, yeah. I mean, he definitely would have... He might have had Helfrich as a freshman, actually. I think Helfrich was his coach's freshman year. Helfrich's last year was been 16. So, yeah. So that, was, that was his freshman senior. year. He was a starter. So, he had Helfrich, then he had Taggart, then he had Mario. And then he had Anthony Lynn. Now he's got this guy. So, he's got five head coaches and since 2016, guy. Yeah. A, I mean, I don't care who you are. Peyton, Brady, Stallback. That's a lot to over. That's a lot of just voices in your head. Mm. Right? Just a lot of guys giving different messages. Yeah. Just because... They're different humans. There's a lot of different philosophies flying around there. Herbert's like, Jesus Christ. You know? Ask Tom what it's like to play for one guy for 20 years. And really just he's going to have Arians for whenever he. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to have a take today. Maybe Brady's slipping. Then I watched a couple drives. Like, God, he looks pretty good. (laughs) I mean, it leads him right down the field at the end. (laughs) It's fine. Yeah. Uh, All right. Anything else to add? Lincoln Riley, man. Unbelievable. <laughs> really, it's you crazy. Get, you got to get on that uh, spring game. Yeah, all of a sudden. That'll, that'll, they play, John, they play next week. USC plays Cal next Saturday. Do you think that game's a lock to be played? I didn't think so a couple weeks ago, but now that you know television's involved, so it's getting played. Gotcha. Because neither of them can I mean? make a bowl, right? No, but FS1 is, you know, like once TV gets oh. involved, like somebody's appearing in that game. Yeah. Once it gets he'll assigned be, to the television. Network. I bet he'll be on the sideline for that, don't you think? I think the game's at Cal. You want to see if he'll stop by? Yeah. We tried to get him when he was at Oklahoma on the show. I went um, to my uh, 
my guy on the ground floor in the Oklahoma Sooner football office. I've I said about seven different texts today. Have not heard back one. Gone dark. So it's, it's weird time. Yeah, maybe he's on a jet. Well, we'll I mean, don't you imagine he brings a couple people to hit the ground running with him? <laughs> Absolutely. Has he known this whole time? I think he's. I think Lincoln. It Drew feels Hill. to me like. Oh, has Drew known? It's a great question. I mean, I think Lincoln's known for. Oh, it. it they were waiting for him to lose. They were waiting for the season to end. Feldman wrote that it intensified last night and then into the morning. I would guess part of it intensified was his season was over. Yeah. But that's interesting. I didn't read Feldman. I'll go read that. He I, he tweeted that, I think. I don't think he wrote that. But part of it is like if you're USC, you don't get to you don't get to Lincoln Riley fourth on your list. No. He's at the top of your list. Yeah. Well, they've been looking for a coach for months. Well, you would take Lincoln Riley over James Franklin. Yes. So. I'm just saying the temperature people have known. I would imagine SC has reached out to age. Like if they thought he didn't want the job, they would have moved on from him already. You know what I mean? They I don't think have it's a lot a, of time. I, here's where I'll give him credit. High level search. Cause high level searches shit doesn't leak till it happens. Yeah. You, you gotta give, you gotta give boner some credit. You know, was, Petros, was, we gotta tell your guy Petros. He talks a lot of shit. You gotta tip your hat to him. Was he Carson, tweeted today, guy. He tweeted today. Do not underestimate USC's opportunity to fuck up coaching hires. He before, wrote that before the hire. Yeah, like this morning, you oh. know? <laughs> he was setting it up. It, was Carson Palmer throwing everybody off the scent with Mike Tomlin? Maybe that's what it was. Maybe. He needs to hire a good DC. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right. On that note, nokidhungry.org slash ham. iTunes, mailbag. Go leave us a review in the mailbag. Uh, and in that review, get, leave us a question. Tell us your favorite bar to hang out. That's how you get in the mailbag. If you're watching the YouTube, just hit that like button. There's a bunch of you here. We appreciate you being here. If you could hit that like button on the way out, um, that'd be awesome too. Cool. Adios, everybody. Later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.